What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 226th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. My name is SBJ, and with me today is Will. Yeah, that's true. I'm here. I'm not out Pokemon going. I'm I'm here in my home in the 100 degree temperature. It's too hot. Too hot to Pokemon Way go. Way too hot. You got that right. I don't know if it's too hot for Logan, but we have Logan here with us today. Hey, I, I'm in a hotter place in the U.S., and I'm just going to get heat stroke because I got to catch them all. Yeah, got to, you know, <laughs> catch those monsters that can fit in or out of your pocket. <laughs> well, this, if you are a new listener, and I'm only saying this because there has been a lot of newer listeners since the Pokemon Go boom. Uh, this is a general Pokemon podcast. We cover all aspects of Pokemon. We do the anime. We do Pokemon Go, obviously. We do the main series games. We do the trading cards. We get a lot of things wrong. But that's okay, because <laughs> we do this every week. <laughs> so we can redeem ourselves. Uh, next week will be our six-year anniversary. So I'm not sure oh. if uh, if we have something special for that but yeah we've been going for six years this is episode 226 we have a bunch of other side episodes so really we probably passed the 250 mark a while ago but officially this is 226 yeah that's that's what i got here with that being said this episode is going to be broken down into some pokemon news then we're gonna actually talk about pokemon go a bit because this is the first time logan's been on in in about 10 episodes or so so i want to get a million years (laughs) i want to get his impressions on pokemon go we're going to take a break and then i have a special interview with dan reichert from giant bomb if you guys you know listen to the podcast or you communicate with me in our slack when podcast suggestions are thrown out there i usually say that giant bomb is my go-to to listen to they do a three hour podcast every tuesday i love their content i love their personalities so i was able to get in touch with dan and he is one of the senior editors from Giant Bomb. And we talked about Pokemon. He's not the biggest Pokemon guy, but we talked about Pokemon. We actually, he wrote a book about anxiety. We talked about that. Hmm. And uh, in that book, he talked about how meditation helped him with his anxiety. We also talk about that. And you guys will probably find out some stuff about me that I have never told anyone before. So, ooh, jeez, so juicy. Yeah, so I, I was really, really happy with the interview, and big thanks to Dan for just you know taking an hour out of his day to record with me. So yeah, that's going to come in the later half of the episode, if you want to jump to that. I'm not sure what the exact timestamp will be. I'll probably have, There'll probably be a bumper before the theme song to you know let people know if, if that's where they're coming in from. But I encourage everyone to listen to it. Like I said before, it's not exactly Pokemon-focused, but we, we try to branch out a l- every now and then. Like I said, like we're going to report on Pokemon news, but you guys probably already know all the news because if, if you're a hardcore Pokemon fan, you've probably read it. That's all right. Because <laughs> we have these personalities that hopefully are enticing enough for you to listen week after week. Yeah, you haven't read our opinions of those news items. Yes, right. Yeah. We haven't butchered Pokemon names. You've read them in your head, but now you get to listen to me slaughter them um, with my voice. <laughs> Before we before we get into Pokemon news, Will, how was your week? Well, I've been uh, really focused on playing that Monster Hunter, getting real good at it. I'm actually doing better in Monster Hunter than I did this new one than I did in uh, Four Ultimate, so I'm really happy about that. Hmm. I was I, I, just, 
I had a couple questions for you because I finally downloaded the Monster Hunter. Yeah, I just unlocked the um, the village Tetsukabra uh, urgent quest, mm-hmm. so I'm almost up to three stars on the village quests. Oh, okay, so um, the first monster you hunt is the Makaro. Macau. 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 Yeah, yeah I, I, I I slayed that beast. <laughs> and yeah, I, I made a full set of Macau armor as my first set of armor that okay. I made nice. for myself. Oh, you're, really, you're pretty far in then. Like, you've been on a bunch of, of uh, hunts. Oh, right? I'm on my I'm on my third set of armor now. So nice. What, what is the what is the second monster? Because you're you're saying the Tetsukabra is number three. Uh, no, no, no. Tetsukabra is the second urgent quest that you get. Okay, got it. Cool. And you're and you're liking it. What what weapon are you playing? Switch axe. It's it's my go-to. Okay. It's the it's the one I I learned to love the most in uh for ultimate. So, I yeah I kind of like very like between whether I like switch axe better or um charge blade and charge blade is better defensively because it does have a shield but switch axe for me is just i can really get in there and hack and slash and it kind of doesn't matter as much whether at this point in the early game it doesn't matter as much whether you're doing the axe or the sword so i can just have a good time but it also has a uh you know because they've introduced the hunter arts Mm-hmm. So one of the arts for the switch act is called something is something called uh, demon riot. And I, I love it. It's just amazing. Like when you activate it, this like beam of light comes down and your, your blade gets all this like white light energy on it. And it's just insane. So tons of fun. Logan, did you pick up the new monster hunter? No, I like, I haven't gotten the itch yet. Because I played so much of Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, and I feel like maybe I overdid it a little bit because I'm still not really, I'm not really like jazzed that the new one's out. And I'm also completely consumed by Pokemon Go. But um, man, it was really fun to play 4, so I really want to do this, especially with the new Hunter Art things. That that sounds really cool. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't picked it up yet. I really need to. Yeah, for me, Monster Hunter always comes out at the wrong time. Like, yeah. 4 you came out when I was really high on destiny and when generations wow, came that out, almost went in a dangerous direction high on <laughs> destiny when, when <laughs> generations came out i i remember like the weeks leading up to it i was like you know i'm all caught up on destiny there's no other games i'm not gonna buy any other games i'm pretty satisfied with my progress on final fantasy 14 so i don't really have to you know grind in that game i was i was golden Three weeks before Gen Con, I'm going to get Monster Hunter, I'm going to play, I'm going to bring it to Gen Con, I'm going to play there, it's going to be great, and then Pokemon Go came out. (laughs) And... All came tumbling down. Yeah, so, I was, I spent, so, you guys have already know, but when Pokemon Go came out, I flew out to Atlanta, I filmed some stuff with uh, Xavier Woods uh, from from the New Day. Played Austin Creed? Austin Creed, yep, played a bunch of Pokemon Go with him. Uh, came back, played a bunch of Pokemon Go downtown Milwaukee, and then everyone got Monster Hunter at that point, and I was like, ah, like, you know, I, I barely touched For You just because of the timing, and I felt, I felt bad because it wasn't For You, Logan, your first Monster Hunter game? Yeah, and you, you guys got me addicted to that sauce and then immediately, like, promptly left. Like, well, and, and Logan's doing the same thing again. It's like he's starting, he started for Ultimate like six to eight months after everybody else has been true. playing it. It's and now true. he's like, oh, I'm not going to start Generations yet. And I'm like, okay, in six to eight months when nobody's interested right. anymore because we're all playing something else, 
that's when you're going to pick it up. And that's how it works for me. I, everybody is like, oh, no, you should pick this up. You should pick it up. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sold. And then it takes yeah. a while to get me sold. And then by the time I'm all in, everybody else is all out. Well, at least this time around, when you get to the when you're going to need help on a Tetsukab request, um, instead of me being like, well, I didn't get very far in Four Ultimate, so <laughs> can't really help you. I'm going to be like, yeah, let me just walk up to the Tetsukabra and slice it in half. All right, cool. <laughs> Done. But just just think, Logan, where, you know, Gen Con's in a week and we could all we could all be sitting at a at a restaurant waiting for food for seven hours because it's Gen Con. <laughs> and then we can all slide out our 3DSs and hunt a Tetsukabra together. You know, that's super tempting. I should probably, I mean, <laughs> I'm never uh, yeah, going whatever. to another, I'm, not, I'm never, no, I'm never going to another restaurant with Logan. <laughs> what? Well, what last time I we went to, last time we went to a restaurant with Logan, we got free dinner. I, I realized that, but we had to wait two hours. hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, like, that wasn't my fault though. I wasn't the, the waiter at the buffalo wild wings <laughs> it's the only time i have ever gone to a restaurant to have a meal with you and it was possibly my worst restaurant experience i don't think that's coincidental <laughs> dang <laughs> yeah so um we'll, we'll we'll get to some some deeper pokemon go talk but it's been really bad weather in milwaukee it's either been 100 degrees or it's been super rainy and i've discovered that those two weather conditions are not worth the satisfaction of playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> so the night I planned on going out to play Go with some friends, it was thunderstormy, super rainy. And so like that was my night. I, I had everything done, completed, didn't have any responsibilities. I was planning on doing Go, and I couldn't. And then... The monster under itch came back up, and in my mind, I was like, "Well, you know, Pokemon Go is the thing I want to play. It's it's what I want to put my free time into." But then I realized the weather can be stopping me. If my friends can't go out, that's kind of stopping me. There's a lot of roadblocks with Go, yeah. and I was like, "I'm just gonna bite the bullet on Monster Hunter because, especially now, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and those podcasts are talking about Monster Hunter. And I, I, I look at the Slack community, and there's you know a dozen people talking about getting together every night to play Monster Hunter. And I was like, I just, I don't want to miss this like I missed for you. So I, I, I bit the bullet and downloaded Monster Hunter, and I play. I've, I've probably put about three or four hours into it now, and I'm, I'm really liking it. My only complaint." Uh-huh. Which has always been my complaint is I feel like it is time for a console version of Monster Hunter. Yeah, because there's guess, the scale is so different. Uh, you probably have like a dozen, I would guess. Uh, seventeen. Nice. Oh, that was, that's pretty good. Pretty good estimate, though. Yeah, yeah. Logan, what's what's new with you before we jump into news? Let's hear it. Uh, I mean, I've been playing a ton of Pokemon Go. That's been it's been my main stuff recently. Also, just finished watching Mad Men. Finished that whole show, and that was really good. Yeah, was it was it worth the journey? Absolutely, it was. It's a great show. Like I've never really seen a show that, like, it was just a character study. You know, there's nobody with superpowers or whatever. Kind of out of my wheelhouse, but it's just like, let's see what these characters do when we put them in these situations. And it's like a well written and acted soap opera, and that's it was really good. I love so, that show. 
Besides the mega Pokemon booth that will be at Gen Con, what is the thing that you're most looking for? Besides seeing me and, and my beautiful blue eyes. <laughs> well, but you're not going to go to dinner with me ever again. So what's <laughs> what's there to look forward to, Will? Um, we, can play, we can play board games. Yeah. Um, Codenames Pictures is coming out. That seems pretty cool. I am excited. I, honestly, like, I've never had this much stuff to do at Gen Con ever because there's going to be a Pokemon podcast uh, event. I'm definitely going to. There's going to be a... Uh, Tuesday night games event that I'm going to. I really want to hang out with all you guys because, you know, you're both going to be there. Greg's going to be there. Jeff's going to be there. I'm I'm assuming Micah's coming again, right? Yeah, yeah. Micah, Irene, Kay. Yep. I never. I only like there's there's these people that I only get to see in person, like once a year, and I feel like the the time is so finite. I'm actually kind of like, I'm like stressing out about how am I going to spend enough time with all these people. <laughs> That's, but that's definitely what I'm looking forward to the most is seeing the people that I only get to see once a year. Yeah, now that you brought that up, I'm kind of stressed out about it too. This is the <laughs> first Gen Con that I haven't really booked any events for, and I feel like I don't have time to book those <laughs> events. Right, yeah. I mean, you, like, let alone going to two events, you're you're hosting two events. Right, yeah, and I'm, I'm stressed out about that. By the way, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, Pokemon Podcast will be at Gen Con. We have a free event on Friday night at 6 p.m. Uh, I also, my other podcast, the Tuesday Night Podcast, has a uh, free po- uh, free podcast on Saturday night at 6 p.m. Just, uh, you know, if, if you guys are going... And you got, if you guys are in the area, Indiana, you should go. Gen Count is amazing. I know Pokemon has a huge booth there in the vendor hall. And when you click on it, it says PokemonCenter.com. So I'm assuming there's going to be a bunch of plushes, a bunch of pins, hopefully cards and stuff. Yeah. I, unless that's a huge typo on the Gen Con map. It looks like Pokemon has a pretty big booth there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to be playing card games. I, I know that I have uh, some time to decide. People have contacted me uh, to play game card games with me, so... I'll be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, you you got to rep your podcast too. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Cole from Drive Check is coming too, so he's going to yeah. be hanging out with us. Awesome. I feel like there's just going to be this like mob of twenty Pokemon podcast people just moving <laughs> just... through Gen Con. I like yes. did this hand animation that you guys can't see. Let's. Uh... <laughs> I, I was I was going to end by saying that it, we will know that it was truly a success if me and Kay managed to pull off our Mario and Luigi cosplay. Is that's that happening? Is that, that is the dream. I, the dream? I can't say. I All can't right. say whether it will or it won't. But that is the dream. All right. I mean, I think that would be a really like a good. You guys would do a good job at that. So you should yeah, totally do it <laughs> because I'll be dressed as Mario and he'll be dressed as Luigi. What? No, that doesn't work. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> that's actually really funny. Let's dive into some Pokemon news. We talked about this before, slightly. There was some rumors that there was a live-action Pokemon movie being shopped around. What? I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what episode it was. But Legendary Pictures, who was originally the one who paid the highest bids, uh, still has that. It, I read this news article, and it's, it's such a repeat of when I originally read the news like two months ago. <laughs> but uh, I'll read it anyways here. 
Multiple media outlets have confirmed that Legendary Pictures has won the rights to the live-action Pokemon movie and is set to begin production on it next year. Uh, production is such a broad word, by the way. Yeah. That's, that's like, well, we're still looking for a script. We're still looking for people. We're still... That doesn't mean much. Uh, the <laughs> film produced the Dark Knight trilogy, Jurassic World, and is set to follow the escapades of Detective Pikachu taking cues from the Nintendo 3DS game that was released in Japan last February. According to, the dead, according to Deadline Hollywood's Mike Fleming Jr., it is also implied the Pokemon company will certainly be involved in the film as well. This is give, making me make such a weird face. They're going to do a live-action version of Detective Pikachu? Yeah. yeah. So hopefully they'll release it in America to coincide with the movie. Maybe, yeah. A live-action Pokemon movie has been rumored since last April when reports of a bidding award for the Pokemon live-action movie rights came out. No official report confirmed that the movie was being considered until today. There's no further information about the, tr- the film's production, though there are talks that screenwriter Max Landis, son of director John Landis, writer of Chronicle, never heard of that, is negotiating to write the screenplay according to Fleming. Universal Pictures is confirmed to release the movie into all territories except for Japan, where Toho will handle the distribution. Universal has had a five-year co-financing and distribution agreement with Legendary since 2014, though whether or not Universal will participate in the financing remains unclear. And then there's just a bunch of other Pokemon, or other game-related movies like Angry Birds and Resident Evil and Final Fantasy and blah, 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 Mm. blah, blah. So yeah, any thoughts on this, guys? I I think it's a weird decision to... I think it's a weird decision whenever any cartoon gets a live action version. Um, I think that'll be weird, but it's the most weird to me that they're going to do Detective Pikachu instead of just going with Pokemon live action. I think that's smart because why? Like you don't want to do the Harry Potter thing and turn a specific person into Ash Ketchum. Like Daniel Radcliffe will always be known as Harry Potter now. <laughs> yeah. But he's got tons and tons of money from it, so <laughs> I think it's okay. <laughs> no, he's he's Swiss Army man now. That's Yeah, I I mean, I guess I just, you know Ash just has this very Yeah, somebody would just be Well, I mean, that's assuming that the movie would be popular. Then then that person would be forever. That's Ash true. It, that's you true. just you just look at somebody like Bart Sis Bart Simpson and that character is so iconic. And once you put a real person to that, it almost yeah. takes that away. Yeah, I think it would be weird. Like, I don't know. It, it, like Dragon Ball Z has done that a bunch of times where they tried to make a live action movie and it's always just super goofy. And I just imagine it would be the same, the same thing. Right. Yeah. A bunch of CGI Pokemon that would be weird. Or do you think that they would get like, like a big frog could just put a flower on its back and that's like it's Bulbasaur. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I don't think so. I think I mean I think they they would probably do the CG right. I and that's not even the part I'd be worried about. I'd be worried about the live actors and actresses around said Pokemon trying to form a story. Yeah. Well, the problem too is that we know so little about the Detective Pikachu story. Right. Like it may be a great detective story. You know, obviously it's a it's a visual novel, so that probably translates more easily into a movie than the other Pokemon games. Yeah. Um 
I heard but, it's not even finished though. Like part two isn't available yeah. for download, so yeah, no one knows how correct. it ends. Huh. Well, we we know very little about it, but we do know the character of Detective Pikachu is something that a lot of people got excited about. Wanted Danny DeVito to play. Well, a lot of people that aren't Will Anderson wanted that, but yes. <laughs> well, since we can't watch a live Pokemon Pokemon movie, we can watch Pokemon TV because it's now available on the Apple TV. Hmm. Uh, the Pokemon TV app contains every episode of the series spanning multiple seasons, was originally on iPad, iP- iPhone, iPod Touch, Kindle Fire, and Android devices. Uh, this is now the first time the app is now available on Apple TV. This app will allow for both online and offline viewing. And the app also includes some of the Pokemon movies and users can enable push notifications to be alerted when new films or specific episodes of a season are available to stream. The app is currently available to download for free in the App Store. Hmm. Well, if you have an Apple TV, go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know that news came out like two weeks ago. I was at my friend's house last night and he had the new Apple TV and right away in the, the App Store, it was like, Pokemon TV is now available. And I was like, oh, yeah, that this did come out. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, actually... I don't know if people were using that, but what I mean, this I don't know if this bleeds into our Pokemon Go discussion, but so there's like a gathering place downtown where I, where I go to play Pokemon Go, and it's just it's just a convenient location where people put lures in the in the nodes, and then like you know there's like 50 people gathered around, but people had set up TVs like on a table in the middle of this like it's just like an outside eating area basically. But they were both playing uh, the Pokemon show like on both sides. So it was like you could everybody in the that was sitting around could like hear the theme song and watch the first couple episodes and stuff. It was it was really cool. But I'm glad that it's it's available in so many different ways because that kind of stuff can happen now. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> uh, speaking of Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go. Also, by the way, Go is all capitalized. And I'm really bothered when news articles don't capitalize it. <laughs> I know it's real petty, but the official name is Pokemon Capital G Capital O. So really we should be saying Pokemon Go. Right. And if if you're a big news outlet, get that right. Come on. <laughs> get your stuff together. <laughs> uh Pokemon Go breaks App Store records for the first for the most first week downloads in history. Wow. Pokemon Go sat comfortably in Apple's top free and top grossing charts in the App Store, beating out mainstays like Game of War, Candy Crush Saga, Facebook Messenger, and Snapchat. According to mobile analytics firm Super Data Research, Pokemon Go may have earned as much as $14 million by July 11th, putting its daily revenue at about $2 million in the first week alone. Jeez. Apple has not stated how many copies of Pokemon Go has been downloaded. They just all they did was confirm that it was the most downloaded out of any out of any app in its first week. So did you guys? I don't know if you talked about it last time, but like Nintendo's stock is like double what it was before Pokemon Go was released, and it's now like Nintendo is valued higher than Sony. Yeah, that is. I have heard that as well, which is yeah. mind blowing to me. Right. Yeah. Like Pokemon Go 
saved their little slump that they were in. <laughs> well, but the stock market is fickle. Let's see it, how quickly yeah. it returns yeah. to the norm. I, it, I'm sure it'll go back down pretty quick. But, it's funny, too, because you see people tweet like, oh, I should have bought Nintendo stock before Pokemon. <laughs> and it, it's like, one, first off, technically, besides Nintendo giving a bunch of money because they only own one third of the Pokemon company. Right. For, for those that, for our listeners, the Pokemon company is owned by three people. They're owned by, Nintendo has a 32% share of the Pokemon company. Uh, the other owner is Creatures. And then the last owner is Game Freak. Mm-hmm. And that forms the Pokemon company. And so the Pokemon company obviously has a big investment in Pokemon Go. Now, the developer of Pokemon Go is Niantic, which was a spinoff of a Google project. So the three... So Pokemon Go was given $20 million to make this game, and that money came from Nintendo, the Pokemon Company, and Google. Those are the three investors. But backing up, Nintendo, besides giving a big sum of money and owning one-third of the Pokemon Company, didn't do anything. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They (laughs) They just put some money up. Right. All they did was put money in. So it's, it's weird that their stock jumped up, and then going back to all the people saying... Oh, we should have invested in Nintendo. The Japanese stock market is extremely different than the American stock market. You just can't buy Nintendo shares. Right, yeah. Uh. Well, it's, is that Nintendo of America stock that has gone up, or is it Nintendo International? Because you can buy Nintendo of America in I'm the sure American it, stock I'm market. I'm sure it's gone up a, a lot as well, but it's it's so strange because it's like they're they're getting at most a sixth of the pie here. Right, because like half of it's Niantic, half of it is the Pokemon Company, and that is only a third of that is Nintendo. So they get one sixth the revenue. <laughs> well, you don't you don't know what those contracts look like, buddy. Right? Yeah. Well, no, there, there's no there's no debate with Apple's contract. Like Apple gets thirty percent of what they make. Oh That's wow! Correct. So there and, you go. And Google Google gets twenty percent of what they make just through in app purchases through Google Play, mm-hmm. and then after that, so. On the Apple side, they have 70% of money to do something with. And then on the Google side, they have 80% of that money to do something with. So how that gets split, who knows? I'm assuming, <laughs> I would assume that the Pokemon company and Niantic gets the majority of that money since they're the, they're, those are the only two names that appear when you start the game up. Right, yeah. But yeah, no one exactly knows. <laughs> uh, since our last recording, though, Pokemon Go has been available in Japan. It came out in Canada, and as of last night, Pokemon Go came out in France. Uh, oh, man. I'm kind of frustrated that they, they keep releasing it everywhere, but I understand, like, that's the only... I mean, the only thing to do is to release it in more places, but... Wait, do you want them to not release it in other places? I want them to fix the server issues so that I can track down Pokemon before they do anything else. <laughs> yeah, like, for the most part, though, the servers are pretty good. Like they're yeah, not they're, they, they're not the best, but for having like the most players ever. <laughs> right. They obviously were not expecting anything like that. But I like I'm just I'm sad that a really huge part of the game, which is the the little tracking system of, you know, you see like a Nido King on the radar and then you can actually go track that Nido King down. That's that's a neat feature and that's that's been intentionally disabled. So oh, that it, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's less server load. And I just wish they'd fix that before Releasing it in a bunch of uh, new places and increasing that server load. <laughs> I would assume that there is a different team 
doing fixing those bugs than a different team managing server load. Probably, but it's not. You know, it's not a. It's not a bug. Like the the footstep thing is is an intentional thing that Niantic did to lessen server load. So it's just not loading that particular part of the game. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Yeah. But I knew it. I knew it didn't work for pretty much everyone. Right. It's no. It's not working for anybody. But it's an intentional thing. Like they basically took out the the API code that they were supposed to have in there. Um. So that because that I, I guess that makes a lot of calls to Google Maps to see where the where the actual monsters are and i guess well i mean the server has been much more well behaved since that thing stopped working so i assume it's it was a good fix it's just like i'm mad that that feature of the game is gone yeah yep <laughs> well if you live in latin and south america those are the two main big bodies of land that still do not have pokemon go but otherwise for the most part everyone has it here <laughs> <laughs> everyone has it on the world once brazil gets it they're gonna tear it up <laughs> Do you, i wonder I mean, if that no. when does the olympics start i wonder if they're waiting till like after the olympics or maybe like right before the olympics Ugh, i don't know but i just I know brazilians are like crazy for mobile apps and mobile internet apps and stuff so yeah. whenever they get that kind of stuff it's just gonna get torn up <laughs> Well, yeah, we thought Japan was going to ruin the servers too, but they did okay. Right, it was fine. It, like I didn't, I didn't notice a, a dip at all. There are a lot more Brazilians than there are Japanese. <laughs> it is a way bigger country. <laughs> well, landmass, but most of the population is on the coast, so that doesn't help too much. Mm. All right, let's talk about some Pokemon Sun and Moon. Woo! We have six new Pokemon shown. Uh, well, technically four, but two of them got official names and some descriptions. I'm just going to run through these Pokemon real quick, and then uh, we'll talk about them. First one is Wimpod, a bug water Pokemon. Wimpod is the Turntail Pokemon. This Pokemon is cowardly. This Pokemon <laughs> is a cowardly scavenger that eats or stores anything that has been dropped in the sea, meaning it is highly valued across the Alola region as it is a cleaner of the sea, Wimpod has a new ability, Wimp Out, which causes this Pokemon to run away or swap out for another Pokemon when its HP is dropped below half in battle. Hmm. That's actually really cool. That's a really good ability. It's like free switch. Yeah. Next Pokemon is Burns, Born Sweet. Like Bounce? Like ba Bounce. Bounce. Bounce Sweet? There you Bounce go. Sweet. Bounce sweet. I always want to say I, it just looks like bourbon. <laughs> it's a grass Pokemon. I'm sure that they can make some very good alcohol from Bounce Sweet. Bounce Sweet is the fruit Pokemon, which gives off a delicious aroma. This aroma has a calming effect on humans. So many people across Alola let it live inside their homes as an air freshener. It's like a scented candle. <laughs> that's all yep that's all it says <laughs> comfy I, I think so comfy? it might become fey comfy yeah, it might become fey because of uh like that means fairy it is the it is a fairy pokemon the posy picker pokemon comfy picks flowers which it carries around with it comfy uses its soothing aroma to help treat people and pokemon at pokemon centers and hospitals Alola is full of uh, soothing aromas. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm all about it. Mudsdale. Mudsdale, Mudsdale. <laughs> is the My Little Pony Pokemon. Wait, no, I read that <laughs> wrong. Mudsdale is the draft horse Pokemon with incredible power and stamina. Out of all the Pokemon I tweeted, because Pokemon Podcast also always tweets the, the PNGs that TCPI sends, Mudsdale was the most retweeted out of all of them, <laughs> which I thought Everybody's was crazy. Excited. I thought Mimikyu was going to be that. But anyways, its legs are coated in a protective mud, and its kick, its kick can destroy a car in a single blow. Oh. Mudsdale has an ability, Stanima, a new ability which raises the Pokemon's defense by one when hit by an attack. And I, it's stamina. It's stamina. I know. I have to say because before I forget uh, that our listener Danny has been adamant that I let everybody know that this Pokemon should have been named Clodsdale, and that they have a tremendous missed oh. opportunity by not calling it Clodsdale. Clodsdale but, would be so good. Right? He's right. Like, I don't agree with That's Danny right. a lot, but this time, he's right. 100%. I mean, a plus it Danny. is based on a Cla- Clods- yeah, Clodsdale. Like, yeah, like, like a Clydesdale, and it could be like a clod of dirt. Right. Clod of mud. Clodsdale. There you it's go. It's genius. It's genius. Instead, it's just Mudsdale. Yeah. The worst. It's like a weird... It doesn't roll off your tongue that well. Yeah. Mudsdale. I don't know. That's yeah. just me. I have trouble saying anything, so. Uh, next Pokemon <laughs> is Beware, the normal fighting type. Beware is the strong arm Pokemon that must never be approached carelessly. With its strong and high developed arms and legs, Beware loves to give crushing bear hugs that will split anything into two. Man, this thing is adorable, but that... Straight up that, murder you. Yeah, it's gonna murder you. It's gonna split you in two. <laughs> Does it look like it looks like it's wearing like a little a little tiara? Yeah, its yeah. Face. It's its ears are like a headband. We talked about this last week where uh, Will and I agreed that it didn't look like it fit into the Pokemon universe the way it was drawn. But now seeing it in motion, it does make more sense. I don't know if you agree with with that, Will. Uh, I don't know. I'm still fifty fifty on it. <laughs> and and to me, the pink part um, looks like some kind of. Uh, like hood that it's put on like because it's so like it's a sharp contrast with the brown part yeah yeah you're right yeah maybe maybe it's the hoodie pokemon no that's uh scrafty <laughs> that's true uh Mimikyu <laughs> is a ghost fairy pokemon as the disguised pokemon Mimikyu lives its life consist- consistently covered by its cloth Mimikyu's disguise ability allows it to escape danger from an enemy's attack once, then its appearance changes. I don't know what it means by its appearance changes, because we've only seen Pikachu Mimikyu. Yeah. Well, in the animation, when it gets hit, the little, like, head of the Pikachu bends over, like, it's broken. Oh. <laughs> I wonder what's up in there. Like, do you put, do you stuff a bunch of leaves up there? <laughs> probably a bunch of comfes are stuck up in there <laughs> and so it seems like at least with with the pokemon podcast audience that mimikyu is is the favorite here i really like comfe a lot but yeah no mimikyu is the cutest <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah will has will has some some name origins for these but let me just get through the rest of the the sun and moon news first we can go, go back and touch on some of these Pokemon. 
Uh, new features are coming to Pokemon Global Link, a website that connects players around the world who are enjoying the Pokemon series. Pokemon Global Link will be ending for Pokemon Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, X, and Y. And the service oh. will be updated to make it compatible with Pokemon Sun and Moon and include friendly competitions, a new function which has been allowed, which has been created to allow players to become competition hosts and host their own original competitions where they can set regulations. Two types of friendly competitions will be available, online and live. Now you're going to ask, what is the difference? Let me tell you. What's the, what's the difference? Online competitions. These competitions are enjoyed over the internet. The internet. It's on computers now. Uh, players will be able to be matched with an opponent and compete against each other for the best rating. These competitions can be open to all Pokemon trainers around the world, or they can be set to allow a pre-approved trainers to enter, probably via a password, I'm assuming. Uh, live competitions, these competitions allow players to host a competition and play together with friends and other trainers who are in the same space. The digital player IDs that contain competition <laughs> regulations is generated as a QR code, and by scanning the QR code, into a 3DS system, participants can join and battle accordingly, set to regulations. This is so important because at the premiere challenges in the past year, since the, the VGC 2016 regulations could not be replicated by anything in the game, none of the premiere challenges could actually enforce the rules. So Whoa. it was done on the honor system. Are you serious? I'm serious. That's nuts. Yeah, this oh, is going to be great for leagues or for just small get-togethers or just any person that wants to actually host a live competition and like, have rewards or something at the end. Now, in the city of Milwaukee, you're not allowed to have a competition and give out rewards, so I don't know how that comes from other states or cities, but if I was at like a C2E2 and there was a Pokemon meet a Pokemon podcast meetup of, you know, 24 people, it would be really cool to have like some kind of bracket competition system where you could actually set rules. You can only use one item and that item must be Quicklaw. <laughs> well, That's I mean, the in the, rule. in the Slack community, we have competitions all the time that like one person will sponsor a competition. And now instead of doing it half on the honor system and half using like challenge.com, it, you can just do it all in your game, which makes it so much more convenient. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how advanced or what specific rules you can set. I don't know if you can get as specific of saying, you know, no held items, only these held items. We don't know that yet, but good, good things to come on the battling aspect of here. Also announced is a new hyper training function, which can be used to increase Pokemon's power. Traditionally, Pokemon grow stronger by raising their level and increasing their base stats. However, such power is still affected by the individual strengths innated to each Pokemon. Hyper, Nate. what? Just innate. Innate. Sorry. There's no D. I got. I got excited. I got excited. This is really like I'm really into your reading right now. I just want to let you know. Like I, it's I, really good. You know, I tried the voice inflection and stuff. I, I I heard that if you you know, not change your voice, but adjust the inflection, it it causes people to pay more attention. I'm 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 wrapped. <laughs> Hyper training allows Pokemon to have grown to level 100 to increase their individual strength, which has not been possible in previous Pokemon games. You can now make your Pokemon level, you can now make your level 100 Pokemon even stronger. 
Hyper Training is done by Mr. Hyper, a new character that can be found <laughs> somewhere in the Alola region by using Bottle Caps, a new item which is obtainable in Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon. Players will have the ability to carry out Hyper Training on their Pokemon. The mythical Pokemon Magearna, which is planned for distribution in North America later this year, will be distributed with a Bottle Cap held item. So what do you guys think about that? So there's, they already have a bunch of items that increase your EVs. What if the, what if bottle caps increase IVs? No, that that's the intent. That is that is what they're doing. This is a way that you can maximize IVs. Yep. Oh my goodness! I'm so excited about that. That's exactly what needed to happen. <laughs> well, don't get too excited until we see it in implementation, because you know right. it could always be like TPCI to say, oh. You can raise the IVs of breedable Pokemon, but legendaries right. you can't. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah, okay. <laughs> we also don't I'm know gonna, how I'm much hold out, time but, this takes. Hey, it can't be longer than soft resetting. There's no way. So, <laughs> well, how many? So when I read this, and I was like, okay, that sounds cool. That makes sense. Yeah, you can have. There's always like these Olympic stories, or I don't know why I said Olympic, but there's these grand stories of this person or so-and-so was born disabled and they shouldn't have been able to do this and they overcome all the odds and now they did do this and you would think oh like a similar story yeah you'd think yeah. that in pokemon like oh like this pokemon has below this pokemon does not have perfect ivs but it still could win this competition because of luck or because of strategy or because of whatnot but even yeah. if 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 you're you know, born with some sort of disability, you can still work on that. And Pokemon doesn't, Pokemon, which is all about born with specific stats to make these Pokemon unique, doesn't really give you the option to work on that. You're either born with perfect IVs or you're not. And if you're not, you get released into the wild. Yeah. <laughs> or or, or store, stored in a computer box yeah, for the rest of your known existence. Right. Yeah. And, I, and my Pokemon bank is full of Pokemon from very old generations that I, do not have anywhere near close to perfect Ivies, but there are Pokemon I still want to use. Yeah. And if this is a way to make those Pokemon better, that's awesome. My only complaint I'm, I'm is who levels their Pokemon to level 100? Is that actually a thing? Like, people <laughs> just that before. go to 50 and stop, right? Well, yeah, you usually stop at 50 because that's all that's needed for competition. But, you know, if this is the small hurdle that they put in place to make perfect IVs a little more difficult, that's fine. I will level my Pokemon yeah. up to level 100. It's not Still, that hard with a Blissey base, dude. Well, I mean, you probably won't have access to a Blissey base sort of deal in Alola. Ugh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like Pokemon removing features. <laughs> we'll How, figure something out. We will figure out the most efficient way to get Pokemon to level 100, and we yes. will exploit that. I'm sure, I'm sure yes. there was. The last time I got Pokemon to level 100 was probably Generation 2, because at one point, like, 50 was good enough. Right. But yeah. back in Generation 2, the Elite Four was your only option, right? Is that is there better options at this point? Well, you can always just use one pokemon for like every single battle throughout the Seems entire like it game takes forever that's, so, that's one you got one of your team you still my, need my, five more guys my first level 100 pokemon was uh volcarona and it only got to level 100 because i used it for like 
Pokedex completion for like leading my team throughout the whole game. It's like I just used it all the time. Yeah, like I wasn't in a rush to get it to 100, but that's the first one that hit 100. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be something. I mean, and it'll it'll probably be probably be better than the Elite Four because the Elite Four is not super great for training. Yeah, it gives you money though. I bet it's probably better. Probably better ways to get money too. I'm not <laughs> so out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, you just do like people with uh, amulet coins and all that stuff through the Elite Four, and then you get a ton of money. Um, money's never really the problem though. Yeah, the problems are. Like getting the, you know, the money for or the different kind of money. What's the other money? Battle points. Battle points. There you go. And levels. It takes forever to get to level one hundred. Did you guys want to go back and talk about uh, any of these specific Pokemon? Was was there something that you found um, unique? Yeah, I, I I just wanted to go through and say like what some of the origins were if people were curious of where they came from because some of these are not common things that you would know about as Americans. Like, well, okay, so Wimpod, I, I know, is based on a horseshoe crab. And we did have some debate uh, in Slack about whether, uh, who's the other, ugh, fossil. Kabuto? Yeah, so Kabuto is a trilobite. And I'm I'm 100% certain that Wimpod is a horseshoe crab because it's bug water and horseshoe crabs are kind of like related to spiders. So if you look up a horseshoe crab, they're horrifying. And <laughs> they are. They, uh, I don't know how far up and down the East Coast they go, but they are certainly very numerous around New York's beaches, um, and they're gross, super gross and disgusting, and I had to spend a lot of time with them in my life, and I hope to never see them ever again. I, uh, I, I definitely saw a bunch when I was at Provincetown. The well, other... they, they are, so up to, that's up the northern part of the East Coast. Do they, this is a stupid question, do they mm-hmm. live in the water, or do they live on land and just go in water? They're mostly in the water. Yeah. Okay. They, they very rarely come out onto the shore, but it's like you go to the beach and you're walking in like a little bit of water and then you step on one and you're totally freaked out or you just Ooh. see one at all. They're just so right. gross. Looking. Do they do they survive if you step on them? They've got oh, a yeah, huge man. shell and they've got yeah. a spike that comes up and whips you. Yeah, you you don't want to step on one. Ugh. Disturbing. <laughs> it's, it's awful. Yeah. It's like a super spider. It's like a spider plus a tank. Yeah, it's a spider with like armor. Oh, no thank you and, and, and a whip tail <laughs> yeah like so a scorpion tank yeah <laughs> all right so bound sweet is based on a fruit called a mangosteen which i had never heard of until i was in the middle east and i somebody gave me one without telling me anything about it and i bit into it and the secret of the mangosteen is that it's not a bite into it type fruit. It's a cut it open and pull out the insides type fruit mm. because the outside is literally like wood. Yeah, <laughs> it's so gross. Blech. So it's like a coconut. Yeah. No, 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 not that kind of wood. More like you know, uh, like balsa wood that you would you would use to make a model. <laughs> that kind of like it's kind of soft, kind of crunchy. You could bite into it, but you wouldn't be happy with yourself after you did. That, that kind of woodiness. So, yeah, if you look up mangosteen, it's M-A-N-G-O-S-T-E-E-N. It is not related to mangoes at all. It's, I think it's more related to a lychee, but it's got some nice fruit on the inside. It's just hard to get at. And then comfey is based on the Hawaiian lei, which is the flowers that are placed around your neck to as a gift or a welcome. Yeah. 
I think that's that's all you need to say for those. I, I think everything else is pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mud is obviously based on a uh, Clydesdale. Clydes? So hey, can we just officially rename it Clodsdale? Yes, it's Clodsdale from now on. <laughs> but what about Beware? Like what is he's normal fighting. Like he's not a ghost. So what I feel like that for for them showing that Pokemon in action and giving the description, to me that one seems like it still has the most questions around it yeah it's weird like Mimikyu I get like Mm -hmm. something is hiding under a veil they drew a Pikachu on to make them blend in with Pikachu so they did a terrible job at it I get that Pokemon (laughs) in and out but beware just strikes me as like what is going on with this Pokemon right he's weird I don't know I don't know I'm sure we'll get some more backstory about beware in the uh in the game. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I almost, I almost think it's guaranteed. <laughs> so yep. we have now had 25 new Pokemon shown. I looked this up the other day because when I, one of the first questions I asked Dan is how many Pokemon he thought were in the game. So I added 721 plus the 25. 25 shown. That includes Magearna and Wimpod and everything up to this point. I don't know how many, I don't know how many Pokemon are, are going to be in Sun and Moon. I hope. Now that we've seen 25, I hope there are like 100. I hope right, there are yeah. still surprises. <laughs> I, I agree. Sure. I agree. Sure. Because uh, what, I, Generation 2 had the lowest amount added, which was 79, I think. Hmm. Well, Gen 6 only had like 75, 76 itself. Okay, yeah, that's true. Gen, Gen 6 might be less than Gen 2. Gen 6 had all the mega evolutions, though. That's true. So that sort of counts as new ones? Yeah, and we haven't gotten... They haven't shown any Mega Evolutions. Are they done with that? Are they not done with that? Yeah, I think they're done with Mega Evolution. Do you think for real? I think for real. But I loved Mega Evolution. It was cool. So weird to give us this fourth evolution and then take it away if that's the case. They're not taking it away. They're just discontinuing it. You guys need to watch the weekly cartoon that explains what's really happening in the Pokemon universe. Even if it isn't canon, it gives you real strong indicators. They're doing Wait. a whole they're doing a whole investigation of why Ash and Greninja like have this melding effect that happens between the two of them. Because Yu-Gi-Oh! And Elaine, who is the symbol for Mega Evolution in the whole series, you know, he's the protagonist of the Mega Mega Evolution specials, was just in this week's past episode, and he is also wondering about Ash's mysterious uh, bond with Greninja. Alright. Fair enough. Alright. <laughs> I, I still think it's gonna be Mega evolution stuff. They're just gonna have like different kind of stones. I want, I want that to be a thing. I mean, I think in going forward in the future, if they want mega evolution to like happen, they just need to have this universal held item. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't collect forty All stones, the and then <laughs> there's no way to transfer those to a new game. Yeah, they, it could just be mega stone, and that's like, or the thing, like, what is that's the thing, right? The thing you wear in your bracelet. It's just the Megastone? Yeah. Yes. That could be would what you, you attach. Would you lie to me and said you could customize? Who? When did I lie? Logan did. Like, uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago. You like you were like, oh, you can customize your Megastone so it's like a pendant or a wrist spat thing. Let's, or ro- or let's roll back the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Not on the podcast. He did that on Twitter. And then I was like, oh, thanks for the spoilers. And he's like, oh, you know, why are you so slow playing it? Wait, I, I don't mean like... I'm sure I didn't mean you like the player. I mean, like you like people in that universe because the because the girl had it on her on her foot. 
the way you wrote it, you it made it seem like the player could customize where their megastone was carried. I'm very sorry. I will never forgive you for that. And I don't expect you to. <laughs> but anytime I say something and and it sounds like you could customize your character in a Pokemon game, just assume that I'm not telling you the <laughs> truth. <laughs> uh, Logan, you can you can redeem yourself by giving us your impressions on Pokemon Go. Oh man, I love Pokemon Go. Are you kidding? Oh man, I'm like everybody else. I've played it a ton. I'm level 22. I have like 90 Pokemon caught at this point. It's been really, really kind of weird that every single person is playing Pokemon. And I know that when I go outside, you know, it's 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 almost like like in a normal situation, if I was playing Pokemon Go and it wasn't a universal like phenomenon uh, when I went outside, I would be like, oh, hey, are you? Oh, my gosh. Are you playing Pokemon Go? No way. Let's let's talk about it. But now it's like literally all people are playing Pokemon Go outside when I go downtown and walk around. So it's almost I'm like less likely to go up to somebody and talk to them about it because it's just like everyone's doing it. But no, it's been it's been really crazy. I, I work downtown. And so you can just see everybody putting lures on all the all the nodes that are around all the Pokestops so that people are just like hanging out outside. Uh, like I said, people were setting up TVs to play the Pokemon cartoon while we all like sat in this, this location that was central to three Pokestops and uh, they were just constantly having lures on them. So you could just sort of sit in the middle, hang out and watch Pokemon on the TV and have tons of Pokemon that, that you can catch while you're also gaining stuff from Pokestops. And that has happened every single night. Like you can just go. It's the the Peace Center uh, where I'm at, which is where they put on like, you know, like Broadway shows come to tour there. Um, but people just sit outside and hang out, talk about Pokemon. It's it's crazy. It's crazy that every single person is into Pokemon all of a sudden again. <laughs> I have uh, <laughs> I have two questions. Uh-huh. Uh, one is what is your police situation? Do the police come at a certain time and kick everyone out or do they not care? Um, I haven't been around when the, there's like the downtown curfew, which is like 10 p.m. I, I'm I'm normally done by then. Um, so I don't really know what the police situation is, but I would assume since they like there's there's signs posted and they've gotten they've gotten larger uh, font signs since Pokemon Go came out <laughs> uh, that, they, that they kick everybody out at 10 at about 10. Yeah. OK. Just uh, kind of shuffle everybody out of, <laughs> out of the park. Second question is. Uh, how much money have you spent? I have spent fifty dollars. Fifty. Uh, fifty dollars. I've spent forty dollars day one because I'm like, it's a Pokemon game. And I spend forty dollars on every Pokemon game and I never regret it. And I want to support this, so I did it uh immediately. And then um, you know, I just kind of wanted some more lucky eggs <laughs> after I spent all that money. So I spent ten more dollars. But I've I've enjoyed it a lot. I've, it, it's kind of like a fitness gadget for me, uh, and I've spent a lot more money on a lot less effective fitness gadgets. Sure. I've so my normal like my goal is to get like ten thousand steps a day, and every day since Pokemon has come out, I've gotten about sixteen thousand steps. So it's it's been doing really good for my health, and uh, yeah, and it, that so I spent fifty bucks. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I, else could get you that for about the same price. What? Entering the Marine Corps Marathon, I <laughs> nope. ran 11 miles this morning. That's a lot well, of steps. Oh my gosh, I, just, I could never do that. 
just because I spend fifty dollars on a thing doesn't mean I'm gonna run the eleven miles. Because <laughs> I've I've signed up for events and I just like I don't know if somebody doesn't go with me, I probably won't do it. Um, but everybody's playing Pokemon Go, so there's always reason to go out and, and hang out yeah. with friends. And all all of my friends are playing it too, and we all like will meet downtown. Like this week, I met people Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Met people to hang out with uh, and and play Pokemon Go. I, there's like uh, there's a Bellachinos near where I work, and it's got three Pokestops in it. <laughs> so people put you know lures in there, and you just sort of like eat your your food and get a whole bunch of cool Pokeballs and stuff. It's it's just been a whole. I mean, it's it's just every single person is playing it and. All my friends are down to hang out every night and catch Pokemon, and it's it's like the dream, basically. Yeah, yeah. I had I had three or four straight days of of what you described, but what I, what I said earlier was, you know, the it's been rainy and and yeah. or it's been way too muggy to go out and play. And now I'm thinking, what happens to us northern people when winter comes? Yeah, <laughs> like I don't think I don't think I I see. Hundreds of people downtown Milwaukee playing Pokemon Go. It's amazing. I'm sh- and as as reports come in, you know, people are playing this everywhere. Has anyone looked towards the future and go and and think, you know, Wisconsin come November, December, January, February, March, April is nothing but terrible, cold, icy weather. Well, I think um I mean, first they they put it out in summer very intentionally. And second, I would say if if this game has a tail of six months or really more than that, uh, that's crazy. If if there are still tons of people walking outside. But yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be rough because nobody's going to want to actually go outside. Maybe that's why they haven't released in South America right now, because it's winter in South America. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, mm. I don't know. But like, do you do you release no new Pokemon like November in Pokemon Go? Like that would be exciting for everyone, you know, south of wherever it gets warm, Illinois. I don't, I don't know where. where, where, Where's the cutoff for? No, South South Carolina is probably where you're at. South of North Carolina. (laughs) South of North Carolina. We we, we don't have winter where I am. Okay. We just. (laughs) Yeah, you you guys don't have winter. So, if they release Generation Two as our Christmas present or as our Sun and Moon, or it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for them to release it near Sun and Moon because that's only cannibalizing their own player base. But you know, it might be interesting if they released all the Alola Pokemon. Oh, next, win. yeah, Doubtful. Doubtful. I mean, but it would be a cool like little tie-in. Like, hey, if you want to go play the game with all these Pokemon, you can. Pick yeah, it up now. yeah, that would be cool. But what happens when new Pokemon? Like, what happens when new Pokemon come out and it's winter? <laughs> you can come visit me. I guess. <laughs> You, that you would bundle that, up and you take a step out your door. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm, dude. I've been to I've been to Milwaukee in February. It's not that cold. It's it, Milwaukee's super weird. Like like this week alone, we had 100 degree weather, and then the next day it was 80 and thunderstorms, and then the next day it was 90, and then the next day it was just a perfect day, and then the next <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but. I would assume that at some point this game has a fall off where oh, absolutely. there's not going to be 400 people at Lake Park playing Pokemon Go 
because either people have caught what they needed to catch and they're not going to the last five or six Pokemon that are super hard to find, they're not they're not interested in, or that they're just done. They just got their enjoyment out of the game and it's time to move on to a new game. Yeah. I think I think that's more likely to happen and really probably before the weather is an issue. But it certainly certainly will be. I mean, I don't know. What happened with with Ingress in the winter? I don't know. Because I would I'd be interested to know if they if they saw like a ton of drop off during colder months. Yeah. Where people are playing. All right. right. Somebody call up Niantic and get the stats. All right. <laughs> get Niantic on here next week. But uh, hey, you're, you're like number one in the in the video game podcast. It's a possibility. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's it's been it's been going good. It's super effective. <laughs> how does that? feel that's gotta be cool right yeah it so yeah i've been doing the podcast for you know six years now and uh it's super effective as has never been number one the the highest it's ever been in the video game section of itunes is is number two currently we're number two right now i just checked for the last two or three months it's super effective has sat in the top 10 and that that felt great because we've been there before there I remember distinctly when X and Y came out, we were in the top 10. When Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire came out, we were in the top 10. And that makes sense because more people are searching for Pokemon. And we've always, you know, sat in the top 200, whether that was the top 50, the top 25, the top 10. Uh, that's all felt good. And I guess I wasn't prepared for the Pokemon Go stuff. Leading up to that, like I said, for the last two or three months, we were in the top 10 making it as high as like number four or number three and then so basically what you're saying is if niantic is looking for a knowledgeable savvy and recognizable voice for their particular product <laughs> uh they should call will anderson <laughs> yes <Good>. yes call <laughs> will the cliff's notes of, of that whole thing that call will it feels really good though and and like i i have no good way of thanking all our listeners besides saying thank you and like keep listening and i will keep putting out content but yeah it, it feels it feels super good 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 to be number one after you know six years and it's just a really awesome feeling that like the show made it i feel like you're thanking listeners by doing all the stuff that's happened this year for the podcast like I mean, you know there's a there's a really cool slack there's dungeons and dragonites which everyone should listen to I'm, it's really super cool and um I don't know. There's tons of stuff. I mean, you've had lots of interviews. That's that's how you. I mean, you put out more cool content. That's how you thank people. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, I'm going to be at PAX West in September, and that was something that you. I I like. We do Midwest Gaming Classic every every year, and we do C2E2 every year, and both like Midwest Gaming Classic is 15 minutes away. C2E2 is an hour and a half away. So for me, it's easy to drive there set up, speak in front of a room of people, tear down, stand in the hallway and like say hi to people and meet up with people and like chat and maybe like we've gotten dinner with fans before or after that and then, you know, drive home the next day or after the weekend's over. That's super easy. And I've always wanted to do like a PAX or a Comic-Con or these bigger shows, especially since that's a way for me to meet more fans or just speak in other states. Like I'm sure if you've gone to C2E2 every year, you've probably heard or have seen my podcast on their list of panels. You know, I've I've applied at PAX, PAX's a year prior, and I haven't gotten in. And 
And then I just stopped applying because I thought realistically, like I cannot afford to fly out there like and get a hotel and, and do that. I want to, like, I love speaking in front of people. That's it's, 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 it's for some people, it's like being on a roller coaster. It's like a thrill of, yeah, I'm probably going to mess up. I'm probably going to say something wrong and people are going to laugh and that's okay. Like, cause if I make you laugh, like, I feel like I've done my job as a speaker, uh, whether yeah. you're laughing at me or with me, like. As long as you're laughing, as long as you walk out with a smile, like I feel like I, I, I did something well. And this year, I was like, mate, I'm, I'm going to apply for PAX. Like, I feel like where the show is sitting in iTunes, I feel like how many years I've spoken at C2E2, I will do, if I don't get it, that's fine. But if I do get it, I will, I will make it happen somehow, some way. And I applied at PAX, and it was funny because... The the day before I got the email was the day that I talked to Austin. That was a Thursday. So I, I talked to Austin. We agreed that, okay, this Monday, I'm going to, uh, this Sunday, I'm going to fly out. I'm going to meet you on Monday. We're going to film some stuff. And then I'm going to fly back Tuesday. And that was, I planned all that in like two days. And it was like, okay, well, I have the Patreon money that will pay for the flight. I'll pay for the hotel on my own, my own money. That's totally cool. That's fine. I made it happen. And I flew out there. And that happened, and the, the on Friday, the day after I made the plan, I'm sitting there, I'm I'm trying to like plan my trip, and like I, I get super nervous flying, so I'm just like double, I like packed my bags early, and I'm double checking my bags, and I'm I'm doing all that, and I get the email that Pax Prime was like, oh, your panel is accepted, and you will be speaking on Monday, <laughs> and uh, this stage is the live stage that's broadcasted on Twitch, so people can watch on Twitch. And um, at first I'm like, this is this is wrong. Why would I speak on a Monday? Like conferences end on Saturday or Sunday. This has to be a mistake. Like I would love to be at PAX, but this is clearly a mistake. And then I found out that that weekend is Labor Day. The the PAX actually goes from Friday to Monday, and then Monday is the last day of the convention. I was like, okay, well, I I guess I'm going to PAX. Like it, <laughs> two days ago, I I thought nothing of it. Now I'm going to Atlanta, and now I'm going to PAX, and like. Now the show is number one in iTunes, and now coming up next, we have this interview with Dan Riker, and we had this interview with Austin. I've actually been talking to Marilyn, and we're going to get Marilyn back on the show, and it's like all these things have kind of come together, and that feels really good. And it also is like, I have no free time. (laughs) 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 So yeah, I'm going to be at PAX. I'm going to be speaking on Monday. I will probably be there. uh, I will probably arrive Saturday morning or Friday night. Uh, there's already a ton of people in the Slack community that want to meet up. There are some people in the Slack community that, that, that can't go to PAX because PAX sold out. So uh, if, if you're one of those people, I will, we will plan to meet up outside of PAX. Like I want to meet as many people as I can. And I met, I met Drew, I met Jack, I met Kevin all when I was in Atlanta. Like they drove all like over an hour to where I was to like meet up and that was awesome like just meeting them and spending the day with them and like that was awesome and so i've never been to seattle i've never been to pax prime so if you're gonna be there i'm gonna be there i'm gonna talk and something about pokemon and hopefully make you guys laugh and uh i'll record that for the show too but yeah i feel like it's just been a good year for it's super effective and like i said next next week we celebrate our sixth anniversary and and yeah, I just I guess we just keep going. We keep going with it. Onward and upward. Always twirling. Twirling <laughs> towards a new age. <laughs> so yeah, uh 
What we'll do now is we will take a break. When we come back, uh, it will be myself and Dan Reichert from Giant Bomb. We will be talking about uh, a little bit about Pokemon. We will be talking about the book he writ. We will be talking about the book that he wrote and uh, some other stuff. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. This is like another two-hour podcast for you guys. But uh, when we come back after that, we will do our Pokemon of the week, which was uh, Dan's request. So we will be right back. Hey, what's up, listeners? If you like what you are hearing, if you haven't already and you want to support It's Super Effective, what you can do is you can head over to patreon.com slash it's super effective and you can support us that way. It lets us go to conferences. It lets us get new equipment. It lets us, you know, go to the bank and deposit money. Maybe not that last part, but if you want to support the show, there's an easy way to do so. You can go to patreon.com slash it's super effective. And if you give us something like a dollar a month, that would be amazing. Just that little bit of money helps because everyone chips in a dollar and it's really great. But what's even more great is by donating a dollar a month, you get access to our Slack community, which is over 200 amazing people that are always chatting, always talking, always willing to trade, to battle. We run uh, online friendly Pokemon competitions for VGCs. We have some people that play Vanguard through it. We have people talking about wrestling, Clash Royale, Destiny, Final Fantasy, all this stuff for a dollar a month. Not only do you get to hang out in a great Slack community, but you get to support It's Super Effective. And if you can't do it, no big deal. Just listening to the show is awesome enough. But if you have a dollar sitting around and you want to support us, Feel free to throw that dollar at us a month. That's like $12 a year. That is cheap. That supports us. That feeds me. Not really. I have a real job that feeds me, but you get the picture. We would love your patronage. If not, no worries. Keep enjoying the show. And we are back from our break. I have a special guest with with us today. Actually, you guys probably already know because I probably would have said it in the intro here, but the magic of recording, I am inserting this into our episode. But I have Dan Reichert here from Giant Bomb. More importantly, Pokemon expert. <laughs> Pokemon expert 101, Dan Reichert. Is That's what my business card says, yeah. <laughs> the uh, number one Pokemon fan at Giant Bomb, right? <laughs> I mean... Maybe? <laughs> I don't know how many Pokemon fans there are there. I don't yeah. hear it talked about a whole lot. I don't. Well, you guys have been talking about it a little bit more because of Pokemon Go. Yeah, of course. I mean, we can't be a video game podcast and ignore that uh, phenomenon. So obviously it's been coming up recently. But as far as the, the classic games, I don't know if we have like a, uh, a major Pokemon editor. Uh, Austin Walker, I believe, played some of the old games. But uh, I may be the most experienced Pokemon editor now. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's awesome. I have a I have a ton of questions for you, but before we go into this, do you want to just give a little summary of of who you are besides the fact that you work at Giant Bomb? Who who is Dan Reichert? Boy, uh <laughs> don't know where to start with that. Uh kind of a all-purpose uh internet idiot. Um lots of I mean if you I I'm sure just a Google search my name would come up with dozens and dozens of just dumb things I've done whether on my own or when I worked at Game Informer. Now I work at Giant Bomb. Um, written a few books. Uh, a couple of them were, were super silly books. Uh, one of them was more of a serious one. 
And now I'm kind of working on a more autobiographical one of uh, kind of funny stories. Uh, I'm a pro wrestling manager uh, here in Northern California. I'm, I'm a bad guy uh, tag team manager. Uh, that's kind of the broad strokes, I'd say. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I, pre- I prepped you earlier, but we were going to start off with some Pokemon questions and then we'll probably go way off topic from that. But that's totally cool. That's sure. Anytime we interview somebody, like when we interviewed Austin Creed or when we, we interviewed Jay Witz, it was rarely about Pokemon. But hey, if we're talking about Austin Creed, uh, if I can direct some of your listeners, if you just uh, YouTube, it was on his show, Up Up Down Down. Uh, I played against him in Soul Calibur uh, with some uh, stakes for the loser. So uh, if you want to look up Dan Reichard versus Austin Creed Soul Calibur, uh, I'm pretty happy with how that turned out. <laughs> okay. All right. Did you guys ever do your Mario Kart Double Dash thing? No, he backed out. Okay. Uh, he, a year prior to PAX East, told me that he had requested off and everything, and he was set for Boston. He was ready to go. Uh, but then he had to go become one of the biggest acts in the company, and uh, turns out it's a little harder to get off work when you're the tag team champions and incredibly popular. So he had to go over to Europe, and uh, he missed PAX East. I, when I spent the day with him, I forgot to bring that up because I feel like I'm also pretty good at Double Dash, and I feel like I could even take him. I don't know what his, his Double Dash skills are, though. Well, he's good. Now, here's the thing. He, man, he has made this whole campaign about how I'm lying about what happened WrestleMania weekend in San Francisco last year. Uh, but the honest to God, true story, this is not an act, is that we set up a Mario Kart Double Dash tournament at a video game bar here uh, near where WrestleMania was last year in the Bay Area. And we set up 16 players, me, Austin Creed, we're in there, uh, one of the WWE referees, Jason Ayers, and then a bunch of random people that we found at the bar. I asked Roddy Piper, I asked uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan if they'd be in it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, in the finals, it was there were four of us, and me and Austin were in the finals, and I won. At the double dash. Yes, I beat Xavier uh, slash Austin. That is the true story there. And I don't claim to be necessarily great at that game. I played a ton of it in college. I played all the Mario Karts to death. Um, but the fact of the matter is I did beat him, but we didn't have it on tape or anything. We weren't streaming it, so he was. it was very easy for him to go on Twitter and Twitch and a show and everything and say it never happened. But <laughs> right now, honestly, got a true story. I beat him. All right. All right. We'll keep record here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> let's dive into things yeah since you are you, since you are the pokemon expert let's <laughs> i want to test your knowledge real quick with one question how many pokemon do you think there are currently 800 oh wow actually you're, you're pretty close really yeah there are 721 officially and okay. so far the pokemon company has shown up 25 new ones so probably when the new games come out we'll have 800 at that point Okay, so it's kind of ballpark. I know yeah. about the you know the one fifty slash one fifty one early on, uh, and I know they've added on with all the the different ones. So I, I actually had to research uh, a bunch of Pokemon stuff recently because uh, my girlfriend told me a story about when she was in like fifth or sixth grade or something. She had a bunch of holographic Pokemon cards and uh, like two sleeves full of them. So it was eighteen of them, and some kid in her class stole them. She took them from class to to show them off because she was so proud of all of her holographic cards. And they got stolen. And I was so, like, devastated hearing that. I was like, man, who could do that to you when you were just this innocent little kid? Like, I was so mad about that story. So I, like, kind of stealthily was asking her about the different cards she had because I didn't know enough about Pokemon. And so I was writing them all down secretly without telling her. And I went to all these different eBay sellers and everything, and I bought them one by one. And I bought a couple of sleeves, and I and I returned her stolen Pokemon cards That's to her. Such an amazing story. <laughs> she was very happy about that. 
how many you do you have all the Pokemon amiibos? Oh man, uh, they're right in the other room. Uh, I've got actually. You know what? Yeah, I think I do. I might not have a Lusario. I have Jigglypuff. I have a, a Pikachu, Charizard, Greninja. I make Greninja face the corner because I think he looks stupid. Um, <laughs> trying to think, what else? What else are there? I think Lusario might be the only one I don't have, but I might even have that. I'm trying to think. I think you I'm Mewtwo. named them all. Yeah, Mewtwo, Charizard, Jigglypuff, Lucario. Lucario. No, it's all right. I the 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 joke on the show is I butcher a lot of Pokemon names. So my listeners use that against me. Well, I've heard from Giant Bomb fans that I mispronounce even the word Pokemon. I think I say Pokemon, and it's, it's, it's te- technically Pokemon. Uh, how do I say it? Pokemon? Poke? It's, it's Poke, and I say Pokey. Yeah. But, yeah, so I'll probably mess that up throughout. That's all right. You can't, you can't win them all. What, what's, your, uh, what's your favorite Pokemon? Do you have one? Oh, man. Like, for the longest time, the only ones I knew at all were from Smash Brothers. Um, I favorite one it would have to be something from smash brothers i mean charizard's pretty cool i like him yeah yeah you can't go wrong with a dragon yeah yeah I, uh, my sister is a big pokemon fan and she told me that there's one that's just a literal pile of trash now is it grubbish or trubbish trubbish yeah and it evolves into garb odor okay. <laughs> okay maybe that one that's kind of funny to me no it's uh, really cool <laughs> it's a pile of trash <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, I would say probably Charizard. I mean, I like Pikachu as well. He's, uh, you know, if you play games at all, you got to be somewhat familiar with Pikachu, even if you don't play Pokemon games. I like Snorlax. He seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Do you know there's a there before Snorlax, there's a Pokemon called Munchlax and all he does is eat and then eventually evolves into Snorlax. Is he like a skinny version or is he fat from the beginning? Uh, he's a little chubbier, but he's he's really tiny compared to Snorlax. Okay, so it's like once he gets... It's like that's the Pokemon version of catching diabetes. You eat too much and you get too big and then you become a Snorlax. Right, right yeah. And then okay. all you do is sleep and eat instead, okay. of just being, instead of just eating. That sounds all right. <laughs> sums up America pretty well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to some more serious questions. The first one starting, so you're at Giant Bomb now. You mentioned before you were at Game Informer. Yeah. You moved across the country for for that. So how different is life? It's uh, tremendously different. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording here. You're from the Midwest as well. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Kansas. I moved to Minnesota for uh, for Game Informer. And so I was very much used to that kind of like semi-suburban, but still kind of close to a big enough city uh, you know, uh, area. And so moving out here to San Francisco, uh, it, everything is different. I mean, it's, I'm looking at the ocean right now out my window, which is crazy because I didn't see the ocean ever until I was like 26 years old or something. Now I see it every morning when I wake up. Uh, you know, I just, I sold my car within like two months of moving out here because I've never lived in an area with public transportation. And now it's like, I lived here for a couple months and ah, I'm not driving anywhere. I might as well just sell it and, and, uh, take the bus everywhere. So that's a totally new thing. But it's it's a lot of changes, um, some good, some bad. But overall, I mean, I, I wouldn't take back the decision uh, in a million years. I love working at Giant Bomb. I've come to love San Francisco. Uh, well, maybe love is a strong word for the city. <laughs> I love my life in San Francisco. I've got a really good job. I've got a good friend circle. Uh, I've got this this girlfriend that I'm in love with uh, here. It's just uh, it, it's a good life right now. So I, I'm I'm very happy here. That's awesome. Can you talk about the first time you met Jeff and the rest of the Giant Bomb crew? I don't know if that story was ever told, but obviously you moved across the country, so you must have had some good relationship with Jeff before that happened. Yeah, I did. Um, The technical first time I met him was E3, I want to say 08. 
And there's actually a picture of me uh, meeting him because at this time, you know, I was not in the industry. I was a college student. I was uh, writing for my my town's like kind of college paper, reviewing video games and paying my way out to E3 every year, just trying to get connections and, and see all the new games and report on them. And so I was just a fan. You know, I knew Jeff from the GameSpot days and everything. And this was right after um, the whole like Cannon Lynch controversy and everything, the whole firing from GameSpot. And he was just starting up Giant Bomb at this time when I first met him. And there's a picture of me in my dorky Lawrence.com shirt. And I got a fan picture with him. And I went up to him and I was like, oh, you're uh, Greg Gerstman. He was like, oh, actually, it's Jeff Gerstman. Like, oh, <laughs> I screwed up. Uh, I mixed up Greg Kasavin and, and him. Uh, and so screwed it up right away. Um, but yeah, just a quick picture with him. Uh, and that was that until later on once I started working at Game Informer. And I got on Twitter. So this would have been like late 09. And I was tweeting about how much I loved Waluigi back then. And uh, he he saw that. Him and Ryan Davis saw me talking about uh, Waluigi. And they followed me, like, basically, like, to grief me, to make fun of me for liking this terrible character. And uh, so that's how this all started. I came to know Jeff and Ryan and the Giant Bomb crew thanks to tweeting about Waluigi. And then going forward, as I went to all these industry events and E3s and all this stuff, I... I would always run into Jeff and, you know, since we talked all the time on Twitter, we would hang out at these shows and Jeff and Ryan started uh, uh, inviting me on to the Bombcast during E3. So got a little bit of experience actually working with the guys uh, on podcasts. And uh, when the time came, when I was ready to get out of Minnesota and uh, move on career wise, that uh, it all worked out. Cool. Yeah, that's a great story. Actually, I didn't know the whole beginning part of, you know, just being a fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. 2008 was such a long time ago now. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing E3 since uh, 06, so I guess this year was my 10th one. Actually, well, no, I guess it would have been my 9th one, because I missed the one in between Game Informer and Giant Bomb. I was getting ready for the move. Oh, right, right. Yep, yep. You have a ton of fans, and you're also a huge fan of... I, I, well, I, I think it's okay for me to say this. You're a huge fan of wrestling and wrestlers. Oh, yes. And in, if you look at the other side of the coin, you have a lot of fans because of Giant Bomb. How do you handle both situations of your fans and then also being a fan? I mean, I've I've never stopped considering myself a fan in general, even of just like the gaming industry. Like, I, I kind of just feel lucky to be here every morning. So, yeah, I don't know. I... It, it is weird to stop and think that, like, yes, I have fans and, you know, a bunch of followers on Twitter and all that stuff, because I still just feel like a lucky kid who gets to play video games at work, you know? Um, I know I'm 32 years old now, but I mean, I honestly feel like like a kid that won some Toys R Us contest, and now I'm getting paid to play video games or something. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... it's I, I consider myself a fan, first and foremost, a fan of video games, a fan of wrestling. I mean, those are the two things that I've been absolutely in love with since... Uh, the first time I encountered both of them. So um, I'm a fan first, I'd say. Okay. I want to move into the book you wrote, which I've read, I loved. I actually, when we when we started talking on Twitter, I told you that, you know, I don't experience anxiety, but my girlfriend really does. And you wrote a book called Anxiety as an Ally. Yep. And well, about two or three years ago. And so being a big fan of you and Giant Bomb, I would... I would be in situations where I would come home and my girlfriend would be nowhere to be found. Her car would be in the garage. Her phone would be on the table and she just, I couldn't find her. And I would end up find, walk, walking into like our walk-in closet and her just on the floor crying and not being able to explain what went wrong. And to me, I always felt like, what did I do? I like, I just got home. I don't, why are you upset? And so it was very hard for me 
you know, and I, I've been with her for over five years now, and I didn't know how to deal with that. And I actually read your book. I got it because of your stories on Giant Bomb, and it everything almost made sense to me. So I kind of wanted to talk about the book and why you wrote it. Well, it's interesting that what you describe is is kind of exactly why I wrote it, um, is I wanted people, well, kind of two reasons. I wanted people with anxiety to kind of see the ways that... Uh, I've kind of helped make it a lot easier for myself, uh, and I don't have nearly as much anxiety as I used to. But also, um, what you described is is for people that have loved ones, you know, people in their family or significant others or friends that have anxiety disorders. Um, and, and I'm not talking about, like, standard, uh, you know, stressors and things like that. Like, everyone gets stressed. Everyone feels anxiety, you know, like uh, over work or tests or school or whatever it is. I'm talking about, like, you know, disorders, like what you're describing uh, with your girlfriend and, and what I have. Because it's a it's an impossible thing to describe, because a lot of times people will just be like, "Oh, what do you have to worry about? What's going on? What, what, why would you be nervous right now? What's making you anxious?" And that's the frustrating thing is like there's never, or, or a lot of times there is no actual thing that's causing it. It's just it it just happens because you have a disorder. It's an illness, um, and and it was extremely frustrating for me growing up trying to explain this to certain people in my family, uh, namely my father. My father back then, you know, I talk about this in the book, but he would just be like, chill out, just chill out. What do you have to worry about? Come on, quit quit being weird. Just, you know, chill out. And I would try to explain like, no, dad, you don't understand. Like, I am feeling like, my, you know, my heart rate is going crazy. My breathing is, is nuts. I feel like something terrible is about to happen. And logically, you know, I knew that that there was nothing, there was no danger. There's no imminent danger. It's just this fight or flight uh, reflex that, that was kicking in at inappropriate times. So I wanted to write a book uh, for, for, for people like you that have significant others so you can read it and have kind of a better idea of what they're going through. In fact, my dad uh, read the book after it came out, and he called me to apologize. He's like, wow, okay, now that I've read this book, I, I see what you're going through, and I, and I, I see that it was a very real thing. Uh, so, so it's that. I wanted people like you to be able to read it and, and understand people in your life that have anxiety disorders. Yeah, I think I, I started listening to Giant Bomb two to three weeks before you actually came on. I remember the whole Vinny moving to... New York and them setting up Giant Bomb East and then when you came on Giant Bomb I was just like who is this guy because I remember like your hot dog story in college and all the crazy food you eat and I was like this guy is are you a real person <laughs> uh yeah yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, <laughs> you know that, that's that's the thing I get a lot just because you know I do tell a lot of crazy stories and I yes I I maybe I, I play things up at times, you know, I play, I play dumb a decent amount, um, for, I guess, entertainment purposes. Uh, but the important thing to me is that I never lie. You know, I, all the stories I tell, you know, the hot dog stories or the egg white stories, whatever, those are all hundred percent true. But yeah, I'll, I, it, it's kind of hard to describe. I, it's not something I consciously do. It's not like when I see the red light on a camera or when the podcast starts and I'm like, okay, time to turn into dumb Dan. It's, it's not <laughs> like that. It's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's just kind of you play things up to go back to, to wrestling. Like an analogy is you always hear about the, the best pro wrestling characters are just real life. Like who the wrestler is as a real person turned up to 11, like to a cartoonish degree, like Stone Cold Steve Austin really is a beer swilling redneck. You know, the rock really is this kind of, you know, cocky, charismatic dude. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it is just my real personality and real stories. Um but yeah, things are, are played up to, to a certain extent, I would say. But, but yes, I, I think I'm a real person. 
Well, after, you know, the your your egg white story, your hot dog story, I don't know when when you I can't remember the exact time when you started talking about your book or your anxiety on Giant Bomb, but it really to me it was like a right time, right time and place situation and when I talked earlier about like always asking my girlfriend like what do you have to worry about? We have two good jobs, you know, we have we have a savings, we have three cats, like life is good, nothing's going, no, we don't have medical bills, like I don't get why you're worrying or why you're so anxious and for me it was like you have this cartoonish character on Giant Bomb, which is a compliment, like I think the whole, I think you're amazing, I think Giant Bomb is amazing, but then for you to go like almost 180 degrees of having these egg white stories to now having a book on anxiety, I I was so compelled to buy it and read it and my girlfriend read it and she loved it and that opened up a window i think in my life to go like now i understand things better and that leads me to my second question is you spent a bit of time just a couple weeks ago on giant bomb talking about a book called 10% happier mm, yeah and you were just recently on um the 10% happier podcast which was fantastic thank you I think that's like, you've, you've now opened up a second window in my life to meditation, and I kind of wanted to talk about that. So 10% Happier isn't a book that like teaches you about meditation. It's just a book that informs you. Is that, would you agree? Like just lets you um, know that it exists? I, I think it just serves as kind of a gateway for people that don't know anything about meditation. Like I considered myself uh, kind of one of them. I, you know, I, I'd been doing it for a long time, but I, I started out very skeptical about it because it just seemed to me like back when I didn't know anything about it, that it was just this new agey thing with a bunch of people sitting around chanting or whatever. Like I didn't know if it was a religious thing or or what the hell it was. Um, But once I started doing it, um, I realized that it's just, it's exercise for your mind the same way that that physical exercise works for your body. It doesn't have to come with any of the the spiritual things if you don't want it to. And that's what the book is, is targeting is Dan Harris is a, is a guy, he's a anchor for good morning America and for nightline. And he had a panic attack on the air uh, while he was hosting Good Morning America. And so that led him, and he, he's very naturally skeptical about, you know, those new agey type things. Uh, it led him into looking about meditation uh, and learning about it. And uh, so basically it's just taking the skeptic's perspective to meditation and just like, hey, okay, I'm just a regular guy. I'm not like somebody who's, you know, chanting or collecting healing crystals or, you know, it, talking about chakras or, you know, all these things that, that make meditation seem Im- impenetrable if that's all you hear about it. His book was just a way of kind of boiling it down to like, hey, here's what it is. When it comes down to it, it's, it's following your breath. It just it, it helps anxiety. There's just been a million scientific studies on this stuff uh, that, you know, this is a real thing. Um, you can take it to the super religious degree if you want to, or you can just, you know, meditate every day the way you would get on the elliptical every day. So that's what really uh, led me to that book and, and got me way more into meditation than I already was. Is it's a great resource. It's a great entryway for people that that kind of don't know what meditation is. So yeah, after I read Anxiety as an Ally, I don't think a lot of listeners know this about me, but I think everyone has struggles in their life, especially you know as you grow older and things change. But at one point, that that book kind of opened a window, and I my girlfriend suggested that I should go to therapy. And I don't know if you've ever been to therapy or or whatnot, but I remember when you told the meditation story and you were you were like, 
I originally thought it was like for hippies or like this new age kind of thing. And I, I thought the same thing of therapy. I was like, I'm not. And I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm not crazy. I don't need help. I'm perfectly sound. Like I, I wake up every day. I go to work. I work. I come home. I do this. I do that. Like, why would I need therapy? And I ended up going, going for about six weeks, six or eight weeks, a couple sessions once a week and kind of just walk through things. And things were things just got so much better instantly. And it was funny because I, uh, I told my mom that and she, she did the same thing I originally thought. She's like, what, are you crazy? Do you need help? Like, do we need to check you into a mental institute? And I was like, no, mom. Like, yeah. It was like, if you're sick, you go to the doctor. If you need, and I, and I say, like, if you need advice, like, you can go to a therapist. Like, it's kind of the same thing. But it, it did help a lot. And then on the Bombcast, you started talking about 10% Happier. I ended up uh, going through that whole book. And then uh, I recently started meditating. I do 10 minutes a day and I've done that for the about the past two weeks. And it's it's like day and night different, my days. Yeah. And it's, I, it's mostly to you and how you've kind of broken things down. And I don't know if, if other listeners have told you that, but you, you know, you go from like anxiety to an ally to you promoting 10% happier to you saying that meditation is great. And that's, you were right in every one of those aspects. <laughs> I appreciate that. And that, that's part of what I want to do is, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, the way some people react when you say you're going to therapy is, is you know, oh, you're crazy. You're like, I, it, it's just silly to me that there's still a stigma uh, among some people about like, you know, for people that meditate. Oh, you're a hippie or oh, people that go to therapy. Oh, you must be crazy. Like, no, there shouldn't be a stigma attached to that, uh, whether, you know, the most serious mental illness or just everyday stress and, and, and normal anxiety. You know, it's there, there's no problem with that. Like there should be no shame in admitting that, you know, you could, you could talk to, you could use someone to talk to, or you could use, you know, looking into something like meditation, uh, to kind of improve things. You know, it's, I think it's just absolutely silly to be, to be ashamed of something like that. It's like being ashamed of getting a cold. I just don't understand, uh, why people would think that way. And so I, I, I want to open up the conversation as much as possible. You know, I've got, I've got a lot of followers and I have, have these platforms where a lot of people can hear me and, I, I kind of want to do what I can to help bring that stigma down and, and show that it's not just for crazy people and hippies or whatever. You said after your dad read your book, he kind of apologized when it came to the anxiety thing. What was his reaction to you telling him, like, you you meditate? Was it still the, like, whole, oh, you're doing this hippie thing? Or was he more understanding of that? I mean, by the time I was talking a lot about meditation, um, that was kind of around the time, like, it it was just a couple of years ago that I really started talking about meditation a lot. And by that time, my dad had already kind of understood, uh, that he was wrong, uh, to, to kind of blow it off earlier in my life. So it's not like we talk about meditation or anything like that, or it's, it's certainly not something that, that he would ever try himself, but he's never given me any grief for it. You know, if, if I had talked about it 10 years ago, I bet he would have. But, uh, by the time I was like really talking about it a lot, he, he was, he was kind of grown out of that, I think. For for people listening to this and curious, because on on the show we we don't really get too you know specific in topic besides Pokemon, but like as serious as a topic as this is, and something I wanted to talk to you about because it was such an influence on my life. How did you start meditating? Because I think that it's something that anyone or everyone could do, even if they don't have anxiety or that they're not going to therapy. I still think it's a valuable tool that somebody could do every day how did you start i started uh in 2002 um it was right before i went to college 
and I had a uh, psychology class. I did this thing where the summer before you start your freshman year, you take a couple classes on campus to kind of get used to how college works, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but one of them was a psychology class, and I had this teacher named Buddy, and he had us uh, meditate in class. And prior to that, I had never, ever thought about meditation whatsoever. I mean, I would have just blown it off as like a hippie thing or whatever. And this is also prior to me, you know, really developing my anxiety disorders in, in full force. So he told us as a class, he's like, all right, I'm going to show you guys something. And if you do this for an hour a day, I promise you it will change your life. And he got like way more like serious and like adamant about this than I'd ever seen him in class. He was like, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to, I can't force you to do this, but if you do this for an hour, your life will change for the better. Uh, and I was like, okay, what, this is going to get weird. What is this about? And he had us do 10 minutes of meditation. He had us all close our eyes and just do the most basic meditation 101. You can imagine, you know, focus on the breath. You know, when thoughts come in, you know, acknowledge that you had a thought and then just kind of let it go and don't beat yourself up for, for getting off track of the breath. You know, it was just the most starter meditation thing ever. But yeah, and after 10 minutes, just the, the feeling that I had was, and you have to remember that at this point in my life, I had not had anxiety disorders before. Um, but even then I just noticed that just from my baseline normal, how I went about my day to 10 minutes later, the difference was, uh, so, so noticeable that I kind of realized that, okay, wow, this is not just some weird hippie thing. This is, this is a real thing. Like I feel noticeably different right now. And I even went into that thing really skeptical and just went along with it because, oh, this is what my teacher is telling me I need to do right now. I guess I'll do it. And it, it, it totally worked. It, it, I felt completely different after that 10 minutes. And uh, that's what got me interested in, in continuing that going forward. I remember my first time attempting to meditate. It wasn't with an app. It wasn't with, you know, any help. It was just assuming what I knew about meditation and after listening to 10% Happier. And I, I tried it for 10 or 15 minutes and it didn't, I was frustrated that like I didn't feel any better or I didn't think it worked. And I was again, slightly dismissive of it. So I guess my question is, eventually I found a groove. I did use an app. I used an app called uh, Headspace. I don't know yeah, if you've ever Yeah, I used that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I scoured the internet of what people suggested, and the only complaint I found about Headspace was it was expensive, but that app helped me a lot. Some sessions feel really good and some don't, and the app does tell you, like, hey, sometimes it's harder on certain days, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who you know, gave it a try once or twice, but didn't feel anything. I, I remember you talking to Dan Harris and he said, like, the first time you pick up an instrument, you're just not automatically good at it and you shouldn't let that discourage you. Yeah, and, and just like physical exercise, you know, if you walk into a gym for the first time, you're not going to bench press 500 pounds. You know, that's not how it works. Like, you know, maybe I was lucky that, that it worked so well for me the first time. And, and I don't want to oversell my first time. Like, I felt noticeably different enough to realize that it was a real thing. And that really put me down the, the path of really wanting to dig deep on this stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it has definitely improved over time. Like I'm doing an hour, two hours, not two hours at a time, but two hours broken up throughout the day now. Um, and it's significantly better than that first 10 minutes. But yeah, I, you know, it's like you said, it, it's not going to work the first time, like to this full extent, it's not going to be the same as if you've been doing it for 10 years and you're doing it for an hour at a time. Hopefully, uh, if you really go for it, you will at least feel something just enough to kind of show you that like, hey, this is a real thing. But yeah, don't don't expect your life to change. You're not going to get superpowers or anything. You know, that that's I think that's a mistake a lot of people make. It's like, oh, I'm going to 
start doing this all the time and it's going to be like, you know, this superpower, like, you know, that it's this whole different mental state. And it's like, no, it's not. It just, it gives you better perspective on things and it kind of puts a break in between like stimuli and reaction. It gives you a second to kind of step back and be like, okay, wait, how do I want to react to this? Is this really worth getting mad about? But don't expect all that stuff to come after 10 minutes. Uh, and most importantly, don't get discouraged if you think you're bad at it because Everyone is bad at it at first. Um, you know, if you close your eyes and just try to follow the breath, you're not going to be able to do that for 10 minutes your first time. You know, there are plenty of times I can't do that uh, when I'm sitting down for an hour. So the whole practice of meditation is recognizing when your brain is going astray. Like, you know, if you're trying to focus on your, your breath and then you notice other thoughts coming in, meditation is all about noticing that those thoughts came in, acknowledging that, and not beating yourself up. You just let it kind of float on by. Like, I think one of those headspace animations uh, said, like, you know, picture your, your brain as like this, this sky. And every once in a while, a cloud is going to come by. And you don't get mad at the cloud. You just kind of let it float by. Uh, and some days are going to be clearer than others. So if you, if you sit there the whole time and beat yourself up, every time another thought comes into your head, you're not going to get anywhere with it. Um, so it's, it's just a matter of kind of realizing that. And a lot of that comes through practice. How do you fit? I know a lot of people are, think their, their, their day is already too busy. And when I first started meditating, I was like, I don't know how I would even fit this into my day. And now I find it extremely easy to just take 10 minutes after lunch, or that's when I've been doing it is after lunch to uh, meditate. And that helps me with the rest of my afternoon at work. But you've been, you, you meditate one to two hours a day. So I'm sure people are dumbfounded of like, how, how does he have that much time in the day? I mean, you, you make time for the things that are important to you. Uh, you know, before I was doing an hour a day of meditation, you know, back when I was doing, you know, 10 minutes a day or just kind of slacking off and not doing a lot. I mean, I was easily spending more than an hour just messing around on Twitter or just, you know, clicking through the same, you know, links on my computer that I check every single day, just going through those same cycles. Like then I found out that, Oh, you know, meditation is making me feel way better than just kind of mindlessly browsing the internet. Uh, so I found time for it. Uh, you know, I wake up an hour earlier. I, I go to work early. I, I, you know, we're basically supposed to be on the clock at 10 o'clock. So I get there by nine o'clock every day and uh, I, I sit down and I do it at work uh, for an hour. So uh, you, you just make time for it. And I know it's easy for me to say as, you know, a guy with no kids and, you know, my only real responsibility is getting to work and doing my thing there. But, you know, even if you have kids, even if you have a lot of, a lot of busy stuff going on in your life, you can leave 10 minutes early. You can leave 15 minutes early. Try to find time for it. Um, it doesn't like, I know I'm doing an hour or two a day. That's really kind of intensive meditation practice. Um, 10 minutes a day will help you tremendously. Just shave off 10 minutes of something else you're doing that maybe isn't making you feel great and put it towards this. And before we, we wrap up the meditation part, is there is there like an app or some or a book or something you would recommend to somebody? I, you haven't written you haven't written a meditation book yet. Well, I mean, anxiety as an ally is is pretty heavily, uh, especially near the end, about uh, meditation. It kind of talks about it, it covers several different things that kind of help me with my anxiety. But I think the big takeaway of my book is is kind of how much meditation changed things for me. So, uh, but yeah, it's certainly not a, a how to on meditation. I'd say if you want to learn kind of more of a how to. Check out Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn. He is a, he's a guy that kind of brought mindfulness meditation to the West uh, back in, I believe, the 70s. 
you know, it's it's a little more kind of flowery, a little more hippie-ish uh, uh, way of speaking than like me or Dan Harris. But all the advice is really good, and it, it really does a good job of explaining the benefits of meditation as well as how how, how to do it. Awesome. Well, let's let's move away from that heavy topic. I I appreciate you taking the time and talking about that because that that's something that's been you know a little bit newer to me, and it was really because of your conversation that you guys had on Giant Bomb that really sprung that forward. Cool. I'm, I'm glad to, to open up that conversation uh, whenever I get a chance. So it's cool to see people uh, taking something out of it. Yeah, and hopefully hopefully my listeners can can get a takeaway from that. I run a... We have a Patreon for the show, and we have a, a Slack community, or some people use Discord, but it's pretty much the same thing. But we have a Slack community for people who, who donate like a dollar a month, and we have a we have a mindfulness channel in there. And it's, oh, cool. It's a, it's a lot of people that, oh, you... you you started meditating and I'm like, yeah, and this is the app I use and so far so good. And so it's kind of been filling up with more people. And like, that's really cool for me to see because I was a little, not embarrassed, but I didn't know how to like pitch that to people. Like, Hey, instead of going to like, I'm going to a gym, but not for my body, for my mind. Right. And a lot of people are going to be skeptical going in, obviously. So it's cool that uh, some people have joined up uh, in your discord and your Slack there. Um, I'd say if people have uh, specific questions uh, to me about that stuff, like I try my best to interact on Twitter, uh, you know, as much as I can with people. So yeah, if you have any questions about meditation or book recommendations or anything like that, uh, you or, or any of your listeners can get a hold of me at Dan Reichert. Awesome. I just have a couple more questions before we wrap up here. Uh, you are a big gamer, obviously, working for Giant Bomb. Austin, when we asked him, he said his his favorite game was Sonic Two. But what what about you? Uh, Link to the Past. That's the all-time favorite? Uh, 100%. Always has been. Um, you know, I, I played games before that. Uh, you know, I got my first NES when I was four years old. This would have been about, like, 88. And, you know, my first memories are playing, you know, Mario and Mega Man, uh, Punch-Out. Uh, but it was Link to the Past that I played that I knew, like, as soon as I played that game, like, okay, this is... I need to focus my entire life on video games. Like, this is everything to me i mean it already kind of was with the nes but i think link to the past is the thing that made me like decide that i had to do this for the rest of my life like as a career i saw you recently delete clash royale from your phone (laughs) yes and uh i think i i had the same journey of you of of loving that game but also being extremely frustrated with it (laughs) Well, it's as you see more and more what that game is, you realize all the little tricks and dumb things it does to try to pull you in and get money from you and everything. And I understand why they do it. I mean, video games are a business, and companies need to make business or need to make money. And obviously, Clash Royale is doing a very good job of that. But eh, when you start noticing the little gameplay ways that they they always dangle that carrot but never quite give it to you, hoping that you're going to give money, it does feel a little uh, insidious and. I just wanted to get out of that daily grind of, oh, I always have to have a chest unlocking. I always have to have this going on. Oh, I'm kind of tempted to buy some gems. Like, I just, I saw that there was no end in sight for that game. You know, there's no, you don't beat that game. It's, it just keeps going like that. And it, and it never really feels good. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been feeling much better ever since I got rid of that game. <laughs> I, I felt a sigh, a sigh of relief. I, as a free to, actually, I, I say I'm a free to play player, but I accidentally, Press the $100 button at one point. Oh, Because uh, I meant to do $5. I was getting ready to go out for the night. You know how, like, at a certain time, you get new cards that rotate in? Yeah. And there's there was one card I wanted to buy. I was like, okay, I can give it. I want this card. I'll give it $5. And I, I was getting ready to go out to a, an anniversary dinner. And I, 
uh, I hit the button and it asked for my touch ID and I gave it to it and then it asked for my touch ID again and I was like, that's that's weird. Like, why is it asking twice? So I, I hit it again, but my other, my hand was hovering over the hundred, so uh. it charged me and, and right away I, I asked for my money back, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm in the car, I asked for my money back and they, they gave me my money back. Actually, so they gave me my money back really quick. I, because iTunes does that, right? iTunes, like, every, like, once a year, it's like, okay, you made a mistake, here's your money. <laughs> right. And they didn't take the gems away from me. Oh. Which I th- thought they were going to do, and I assumed they were going to do, so I had all these gems for almost two months. I didn't want to spend them, because I figured they were going to eventually take them away. <laughs> and they and they didn't. And so I had the, like, the luck or the niceness of, like, slowly spending gems, and even then they still dangled that carrot in front of you. And even by buying, like, the biggest chests and stuff, I still didn't get a legendary. I still didn't get... The only thing I was able to do was, like, I can upgrade every one of my cards because I have enough gold to do this. Yeah, and you always think that that next thing, that next upgrade, that next level for your towers, that's going to be the moment that, like, oh, finally, I'm going to, like, I'm going to win so much more, and it's going to be so much fun, it's going to be great. And then you get there, and then you realize you're getting matched with people that are also there, and it's just the same back and forth, 50% infuriating stuff and people laughing at you with the emotes and stuff. Which oh, yeah, I'm, the emotes are terrible. Oh, I never get mad about video games. Like, anytime I'm playing, like, a multiplayer shooter or anything, whenever I die, you know, people always get mad and, you know, all these videos on YouTube, people cursing and screaming when they die. I never get mad. I'm just like, oh, yeah, he shot me. I, I lost. I, I did worse than that guy. Whatever. Uh, Clash Royale is, like, the only game that I get furious at. Or if I lose in some like total BS fashion, I just need to put my phone facing down because I know that they're going to just spam that the laughing king or the crying king or something. And it's, oh, there's something about it that's so infuriating. So yeah, another reason I'm, I'm glad to be done with that game. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because at, it, it's a great game. And even if like there was if I could just pay, you know, $60 for that game and just have everything and be done with it, I think it would be great. And I understand, like you said, I understand their business model. I understand they were... You know, they were the number one top grossing app in the app store, but Pokemon Go kind (laughs) of took that away from them. Yeah. They did it in a totally like Candy Crush, Clash Royale, Clash of Clans. They all kind of follow this carrot on a stick. And I don't feel like Pokemon Go does that, which is surprising because it's making more money than all of them. It's I think Apple reported it was the most downloaded app of all time recently what what were your as a you know you're not a big pokemon guy but what were your thoughts on that especially in the aspect of it does it does mobile gaming totally different than everything up to this point yeah i mean i i downloaded it i played it uh for a while uh you know i put a few hours into it before i deleted it um i think it's genius i think it's such a smart thing you're taking this this property of pokemon that you know, there's a lot of people that are a lot of adults now that grew up uh, with that and have a bunch of nostalgia towards it. So the property spans several different generations of gamers at this point. And then you make it free to download and it's on devices that everyone already has in their pockets. Like it's reaching audiences that, you know, maybe don't play games that often that they, they're not buying 3DS. They're not buying Vitas and things like that. But they used to play Pokemon back in, like, elementary school, and then when they see it's on the phone that they already have and they already carry everywhere and it's free, that's a no-brainer. So you're tapping into, like, the nostalgic people that have been out of games for a long time. You're tapping into uh, people that are hardcore gamers and and keep up with everything. I mean, they've managed to reach every every type of person you can imagine. I mean, I live in a big city. I, I take public transportation, and I always see people playing it just constantly. So... 
I think it's genius. I think they did a really, really good job with it. Um, you know, it's not for me. Uh, I, I'm done with my time with it, but kudos to them. They did something really unique, and uh, they're they're reaping the rewards of it right now. So, and I think it'll be around for a while. That kind of leads into just you know a couple other questions about Pokemon. You see how I started with Pokemon, now I'm ending with Pokemon. Oh, bookend. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you said prior to us recording, you you were a little bit familiar with the more familiar with the the spin-off titles was there anything that kind of stood out in your mind i feel like the go-to for everyone is pokemon Sna- snap but i i believe you did um a quick look with jeff of pokin tournament so there mm-hmm. pokemon has gone like every which direction with their spin-off titles yeah and i've i've dabbled with a lot of it um yeah i loved you know pokemon snap tons of people played pokemon snap but uh, when red and blue and yellow came around i was in like eighth or ninth grade so i was in that like you know i'm 13, 14, 15, whatever years old, however old you are there. And it's at that age, a lot of people uh, that I went to school with kind of viewed it as like, oh, that's that kitty game. Oh, that's that game for kids. And and I probably kind of subscribed to that mindset too. Like, oh, this looks like some cartoony thing or whatever. I'm 15. I'm an adult. I'm cool. I'm going to play Metal Gear, you know, which, you know, Metal Gear is cool as hell. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, I, I had a dumb attitude back then about uh, Pokemon and that I just, I wouldn't play it at all. But I did play Snap. Uh, I enjoyed that. Like I had younger sisters that were, they were born in, uh, 93. So they were very much the right age for Pokemon. So they would have it and I would see them playing snap or the mini games on Pokemon stadium, uh, things like that. So I I played a lot of that stuff. It it wasn't until Pokemon X actually that I played one of the core games. Um, cause I was at game informer uh, at the time and I got out of that, you know, phase of my life where that's kitty crab. So I actually was open-minded about it and you know i worked at a a game uh outlet so i I had a free copy so it was like wait actually no no we only got a couple codes for that in the office and i didn't get one and i i remember actually yeah so i bought that game Uh, i I was curious enough about it enough people were talking about it that i was like yeah you know what i'll I'll buy this um and i put probably 10 or 12 hours into pokemon x and uh, you know what I, i had a good time i enjoyed it i I think I actually wrote an article on Game Informer about it. I'm not entirely sure. I, <laughs> I forget at this point. You know, it's been thousands of things. But I'm pretty sure it's like, oh, hey, here's impressions of Pokemon X from a from a franchise newcomer or something. I think it was called. And it was it was very positive. Uh, I didn't wind up beating the game, but but I remember liking what I played, and and I see the appeal of it definitely. I, I saw the excitement of every time uh, some new Pokemon showed up. It's like, oh my god, I have to get this and you know, waiting for the ball to clink shut and everything. It's, I, I totally see the appeal now. Um, I wish I wouldn't have been a, a dumb junior high, closed-minded kid, but, uh, you know, that's how it was back then. But no, I, I totally appreciate Pokemon, but I, I can't paint myself as some expert or, or long time. <laughs> Do you see yourself looking forward to Sun and Moon? Is that something that, I, I, G- Giant Bomb doesn't report on a lot of Pokemon stuff. I think you guys have even said that on the last Bombcast, but you guys looked at Pokemon Tournament. Yeah. Pokemon Sun and Moon probably really big because those those games are always you know top three sellers of the year for you know systems. But is that something you guys are going to look at or probably um, not? Yeah, I well, you know just personally like you know I can't say what our coverage plans are because we haven't talked about it yet. But personally, uh, I think I will uh, get that and play it. I, I think the big thing for me is uh, my girlfriend's a bit younger than me, and so she was more of the right age for for Pokemon when it first came out. So uh, she she's played them all. She loves Pokemon, like as I said earlier with the the cards and everything. So yeah, we we went through a while recently where uh, she was playing Pokemon Red every night in bed. Uh, so like I would just be laying next to her and just kind of watching her play a little bit and talking to her about the game. And her enthusiasm uh, was kind of infectious. Like 
I guess she was doing a thing where she was trying to get a bunch of Pokemon in red so she could level it up and bring it into Sun and Moon. Yeah. Which I guess there's some way you can do that. And quick aside, she was showing me all the crazy things like the error. What is it? Error? No. Missing no. Missing no. That's right. Yeah, yeah. She's telling me all about these crazy glitches and stuff and then getting those all unlocked. So really cool to see how, how deep that rabbit hole went. But uh, yeah, just, just through being with her and everything and talking about it more, I'm, I am looking forward to uh, checking out Sun and Moon. Like, I'm sure, you know, she'll get one. I'll get the other. We'll do whatever trading we can do. Like, that'll be fun to uh, play alongside her. Yeah, I think Pokemon, I, a lot of games do this, but Pokemon benefits from kind of like the MMO aspect like no one plays an MMO by themselves and I think Pokemon follows that same mindset of it definitely helps when you're all your friends are also playing Pokemon for sure yeah yeah and, and I have to wonder uh, the go phenomenon I wonder how much that's going to impact sales of sun and moon you'd have to imagine it would have some impact yeah I would I would imagine too I mean I went down to one of the more popular parks in Milwaukee and there's there was just, you know 400 500 people in this park playing and it and, and you overhear conversations and you hear people mispronouncing pokemon names or going oh look at that circle pink thing and it's like oh that's a jigglypuff like come on <laughs> but like clearly they knew a little bit about pokemon and pokemon go is just kind of this phenomenon that that brought everyone in um surely my like my podcast have, has gotten way more listeners just because i'm i'm sure people went to itunes and typed in pokemon go and and now they see 200 episodes i've recorded but <laughs> I'm sure you guys have just been slammed with like media requests of Pokemon Go this, Pokemon Go that. And I wonder how, I wonder if that momentum will last through the summer into the fall when these new new 3DS games come out. Yeah, a lot of the longevity of uh, Go is, is going to be based on what they do to the game to add to it. Because, you know, I'm sure you've heard all the criticisms about how just the, the game aspects of Pokemon Go aren't that, you know, there's not a lot to do from a video game perspective. It's more of this kind of crazy real world scavenger hunt thing like the actual battling and stuff doesn't have a lot going on so yeah i'm kind of wondering what they add to that like they're gonna be making a ton of money so i have to wonder how big their team's gonna get how frequently they're gonna be doing updates and if they can roll this momentum into you know boosting the sales of the games you know they're already talking about that movie they want to make like it feels to me as kind of an outsider to the whole pokemon franchise that i'm hearing people talk about pokemon maybe more than ever right now I mean, I, I dabble in Pokemon from week to week, but it's it's crazy to see all these news outlets just constantly report on Pokemon, and it's 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 weird because like I'm used to that. I'm used to going out and finding the Pokemon news on my own. I'm not used to looking at my Twitter and seeing, you know, thirty slightly Pokemon Go related articles. Well, not even just Twitter or the internet. Like, yeah, I just walk around my neighborhood and. I swear, like, 50% of the cafes and, and little restaurants and stuff around here, like, there's a smoothie place right next to me that says, it's got a sign out front that's like, hey, if you need a break from hunting Pokemon, come try our new Charizard smoothie, and it, it's, it's insane. Like, there are coffee shops that are putting down lures to try to bring people in. It's it's just nuts. It's it's not just the internet. Like, this is a, like, social phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it, it's, it's cool, and I kind of don't want it to go away. But I, I'm 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 ready to stop seeing like top five hottest Pokemon professors. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's the internet. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, the cafe thing is really cool, but yours is just super clickbaity. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's the internet. That's whatever it is. Whatever the big thing of the day is, whether it's Game of Thrones or Star Wars or whatever it is, you're just gonna see that on every single site that's just trying to get clicks. Well, uh, I don't have anything else really for you, but. 
a huge thanks. I, I weird that uh, we covered. We started with Pokemon. We went to anxiety. We went to meditation, <laughs> video games, more Pokemon. But uh, thank you so much, Dan, for coming on the show. Of course, it was a blast. Thank you. Awesome. Where can where can our listeners find you? Uh, GiantBomb.com, of course. But uh, where else? Uh, just the the personal stuff I tend to use. Just Dan Reichert with no spaces. It's D A N R Y C K E R T. Uh, definitely the most active on Twitter. So if you want to follow me, that's probably your best bet. Uh, other than that, if uh, the anxiety talk interested you, that's on Amazon. So if you just search for anxiety as an ally on Amazon, that should pop up. Get Kindle and paperback. Um, so that's kind of the the main outlets for me right now. Awesome. And then every week we do uh, the Bombcast goes up every Tuesday. Uh, so it's like three hours long conversation about video games, pop culture, food, weird tangents, just all sorts of stuff. So uh, give it a shot if you're interested. Taco Bell Adventures. Yep, yeah, <laughs> lots of that. Well, when we actually before we go to break here, uh, Dan, do you want to request what our Pokemon of the week should be? Is oh, man, I get to pick any one of the Pokemon. Anyone? Let me go with. Uh, isn't Goldine the one that you get in Smash Brothers and it just flops around? Yes. Then it's Goldine. All right, we will be back with our Pokemon of the week, which will be Goldine again. Thank you so much, Dan, for being on. Anytime, it was great. And we will be right back. And we are back from our break. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview with Dan Reichert. I know I did. Logan, you know, loved it in and out. <laughs> Magic of editing. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I definitely said some stuff I've never told people in it. So that's a little bit more insight of, of myself. It was, a, it was a great interview. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Dan requested... Dan, being the biggest Pokemon expert at Giant Bomb, requested our Pokemon of the Week to be Goldeen. And his main reason was because he thought it was super funny when Goldeen came out in Smash Brothers and just flopped around and didn't do anything. <laughs> I've never played Smash Brothers. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. I Not all the Pokemon come out of Pokeballs, but there are like specific ones that do. So when you get... Like when you get Goldeen, it literally doesn't do anything. Whereas like yeah, it just flaps around. Yeah, where if like Porygon comes out, it like shoots in like a left or right direction, and if you're standing in it, it just like shoots you off the edge. And then like if Snorlax comes out, he like falls in front of the screen, and if you're under his butt when he comes down, he like squishes you. Yeah, so they all do different things. Let me read a little thing, a little bit about Goldeen here, and then uh, we'll talk about a possible move set. I don't know. I, I can tell you a few things about Goldine. Okay, all right. Goldine is a white fish-like Pokemon with orange markings on its tail, back, and fins. It has a thin dorsal fin and long pectoral fins? Pectoral. Pectoral <laughs> fins. I'm going to keep that. I was going to originally cut, but that's good. Its dorsal and pectoral fins are quite strong, allowing it to maintain a steady speed of five knots while swimming upstream. Goldine's Caudle? Caudle? Caudlefin? Oh, I don't know that one, but I think it's Caudle. Caudle? Caudlefin is admired by many for its beauty as it billows very much like a ballroom dress. Its circular eyes are blue, and it has pink lips. On its forehead is a large horn 
which is larger on a male than a female. So there you go. That's how you can tell male and female Goldeens apart by its horn. It is known as the Goldfish Pokemon. It has three different abilities, Swift Swim, Water Veil, or Lightning Rod. I feel like Lightning mm-hmm. Rod sounds like the best, but we'll yeah. throw it over to well, Poke. Swift Swim is good, too. Poke yeah, expert just... Will. <laughs> well, Logan, Logan knows quite a bit, too, but I was going to say, um, of the three, you would pick Swift Swim if you're doing a rain team because then you get the the boosts from being in the rain. But if you're not doing a rain team, then you probably want to do lightning rod. So uh, what Water Veil does is it prevents you from being burned. Um, That's not bad. I I know it's not bad, but since uh, a water-type Pokemon would typically be weak to electric attacks, and that's, you know, so such an obvious way to go at a uh, water-type, um, lightning rod grants immunity to electric mm-hmm. attacks and also your special attack goes up if you are hit with an electric so if somebody assumes that you have swift swim and they hit you with an electric type attack then they're actually just giving you a stat boost and i believe in terms of base stats the goldine's regular attack is stronger than its special attack so you're just getting the immunity boost there. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be putting special type moves on on your Goldeen. Yeah, it's so, just for just to get the electricity out of there. Yeah, its attack yeah. is 67, and its special attack is 35. It's not like a great Pokemon. We put that out there. You, you, you really, yeah, you you really wouldn't use it for uh, competitive, especially since it's also not a final evolution. Sea King is the <laughs> final yeah. evolution. We'll make this work. I mean. The the thing the the best thing about Goldine is the voice that was used when it was Misty's Goldine, <laughs> whenever Misty used her Goldine, and it was just like this mysterious, like such a deep resonating voice compared to any other Pokemon when it came out. Goldine, 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 Goldine. Goldine. Uh, well, Goldine doesn't. Goldine doesn't change much when it goes in the Sea King. It still has the same abilities. Uh, its stats are pretty much the same. It, it, they're just more boosted. So um, any moveset or suggestions we have for Goldine will translate 100% into Sea King. So keep that in mind. Yeah, so you don't want to protect... You don't need to worry about protecting it from electric types. Um, what you may want to do is it can learn uh, three ground-type attacks. So Mud Shot, Mud Slap, and Mud Sport. Um, so you may want to learn one of those, maybe Mudshot to, uh, sort of counteract any electrics. They can't hurt you, but you can hurt them. It does learn Megahorn, which is a 120 base power physical attack bug type. And bug types have a pretty good spread. Yeah. For things that they can hit. So probably Megahorn would be a nice one to have on there. I always liked Soak. I don't know how viable it is, but if you're running, if you're running, um, in doubles with an, like an electric or a grass Pokemon next to Goldeen, and you can soak that Pokemon to turn it into well, a pure water type. So the problem is, if you are running Goldeen with Lightning Rod and your partner is electric, all of those electric attacks are going to hit Goldeen. Yeah. So no bueno. But as an alternative, Scald is always very popular in competitive yeah, Pokemon because it has a potential to, even though it's a water type attack and gets the stab boost for Goldeen, it has the potential to burn the opponent. 
So unfortunately, it's it's special and Megahorn is well, Megahorn is physical, but the um, mud shot is special also. So uh, we're, we're not capitalizing well, the, on its best stats. Yeah. So, the, but the main reason to use Squald is to try to get that burn. Right. It's yeah. not so much the damage that you're going to try to accomplish there. Yeah. Um, because burn reduces attack. Yep. I believe your opponent's attack if they are burned. It reduces it by fifty um, percent. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> also, Scald has a allegedly has a thirty three percent chance, but I've played enough competitive to know it's a hundred percent chance. Yeah, it hits every time. <laughs> it hits every time. Uh, so it's another good physical attack to put on your Goldeen. So we're saying one, one Megahorn, one Scald. Let's do one more attack and a protect. Um, we could wet waterfall, I guess. I don't know. Uh, uh, don't do that. Could do, I mean, poison jab for fire. Wait, how's, how's about some hydro pump? Nope, that's special. Dag, now it these special moves. No, right? I'm thinking poison jab for for fairy coverage. There you go. All right, let's go for it. <laughs> we have nothing for grass. Uh, well, wait. It poison, can a nice type move. Poison you covers grass. You got your bug. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's true. Wow. I'm I'm tired. <laughs> we'll go with it. All right. So I think that's your Goldeen build right there. Put your, uh, wait, so you can put, put your effort values into a physical attack. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Defense and special defense. Special defense is a little weaker. So I would split the two, be, split the rest between the two, defense and special defense. And, and put it's the super four. Slow, so don't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, HP. Yeah, might as well toss him over there. There you go. There you go. There That's are some perfect seeking. Perfect. <laughs> Goldeen. If you get a if you get a shiny Goldeen, it is Goldeen's more of like a red, reddish orange. And the shiny is more of a, a orangish yellow, more of a gold. The gold the seeking like the the shiny seeking looks like it's it's in a very dirty tank. It's in a dirty fish tank, and it's got a lot of mold growing on it. Uh, yes, it does. Yeah, the shiny seeking not appealing. <laughs> Did it catch the ick because you didn't take care of your fish? It's absolutely it, in the in the Pokemon Red and Blue beta. Goldeen was originally known as Goldie. There you go. Uh, Goldeen and seeking have been Japan centric. Sorry. Goldeen, as well as Seeking, has been in all Japan-centric regional Pokedexes. Goldeen's, Poke- Goldeen's number in the Sinnoh Pokedex and the Johto Pokedex are the same, both at 78. Goldeen and Seeking are the only two Pokemon that can learn Waterfall through level up. This also makes them the only Pokemon to learn Waterfall in Generation 1 before it became an HM. Goldeen shares a similar in-game cry with Caterpie, being only 0.07 seconds longer, American seconds. <laughs> Even though Goldeen uses Splash in all four Super Smash Brothers games, it has no way of learning it in any Pokemon game. <laughs> oh, nice. It's actually really funny. That's like full circle. It, it's weird because it, it's clearly, like in Smash Brothers, they clearly meant to put Magikarp in, but somebody didn't do their full research and, and they, they put- were just like, Goldie. The fish one, right? Yeah, the oh, fish. Yeah, yeah. It's like an orange got, fish He's got right? that orange fish, yeah. <laughs> uh, Goldeen's Pokemon Soul Silver Pokedex entry claims that it can swim at five knots per hour. This is technically incorrect, as knots is already a measurement of speed, not distance. 
<laughs> that mm. is true. <laughs> so it can increase its speed by five knots per hour. What? <laughs> <laughs> we we read a lot of the Bulbapedia facts, but uh, not gonna lie, Goldine had some pretty good ones. Yeah, this this was this is above average for above, sure. Above average Pokemon <laughs> podcast episode here. Well, <laughs> Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. We normally, we, we haven't done emails in the past two weeks because of the interviews we've been doing. And my apologies because I love doing emails. So if, uh, if we don't have anything lined up for next week, email us your questions, anything, Pokemon, non-Pokemon related. If you have a good Pokemon Go story that you want to share, uh, please do not hesitate to email myself, SBJ at pkmncast.com send those emails maybe in have, maybe you have positive feedback about how awesome Logan was and how you want him to come on the show a whole bunch more times yeah send those emails <laughs> in or you can follow Logan on Twitter and tweet at him yeah at with, Logan Jenkins that's my and if you want to follow and tweet at Will that's leave me alone <laughs> All right, that, that leave me in the hall. It's wash in the sink. W a s h i n t h e s i n k. Wash in the sink. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, if you want to join our Slack community, you can do so by going to Patreon.com/slash. It's super effective, and uh, I think we're we'll gonna be hunting some more monsters later this week if I have free time. So if 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 you're into Monster Hunter, if you're not into Monster Hunter, if you're curious about Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter is like. It is the game with the best community that is the most open to willing to teach new people. Yeah. Yeah. Monster Hunter players love to teach new players Monster Hunter. So if that is a game that has always kind of intrigued you, but you didn't have people to play with, we have a ton of people in our Slack community that is that are willing to play, that are willing to teach, that will definitely help. So uh, that's kind of... Like it, that game is the most like probably the deepest game I've ever played ever. And even though I'm not, I'm on the fence about playing this new one. Like if you haven't played Monster Hunter yet, you should do it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It is super great. Otherwise, that has been our episode again. A big thanks to Dan Reichert for taking some time to be on. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Logan. You're welcome. And uh, you can follow the podcast at Pokemon Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. Otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are WWE Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins. (laughs) 